Hailing frequencies are open. Hi, everybody. Welcome to our episode tonight of Clear Skies, our Star Trek live play uh, RPG. We're a little bit late because literally we were too busy debating over who the Mary Universe characters of these characters would be. So we got really swept up into that. It was getting really good. We're gonna, we have a bunch of theories about how everyone's mirror universe character, how twisted and evil and vicious they would be. Um, ah, that's what it is. Olin is a bunny. My, my theory is, is that uh, the most terrifying of all of this crew, mirror universe version would actually be Exio. Um, because that would essentially, then you're basically, go, now you're getting into like discovery levels of AI that's destroying. Why <laughs> this is how we get Skynet, people. Yeah. <laughs> Do you want Skynet? Because this is how you get Skynet. Skynet um, is Gina? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, yes. Uh, so, first of all, I just wanted to say that I hope you guys are all having a very peaceful, very reflective Memorial Day. I hope everyone is uh, doing well. Um, I, uh, you know, this is a very important day, obviously, and I won't go too much into it as someone who's from a military family. Um, to everybody out there, I just wanted to wish you guys a very peaceful day today. I hope you've been relaxing and finding some fellowship today. It's always good to have on, on days like this where we're, we're made to remember. Um, in some upper, uh, in some of the the more updated uh, news for Clear Skies, um, I'm going to segue into announcing the name of our shuttle. Um, now the crew doesn't even know what the final name got picked was, um, though I think Sam may have gotten spoiled on it, um, but. And uh, Hello. And yeah. Sam is the producer. They get to know. Yeah. Yeah. And Captain I, and Rad. I, I got to fix any that. Any excuse I could get to extract information. What? I got. I got to fix that. Um. So. Um. Uh. So. Sorry, I got distracted. <laughs> so our Argo class shuttle. It is actually an Argo class reconnaissance transport. And after many rounds of voting from the Ox crew, and then being voted on by us. I'm sad to report that Shuttle McShuttleface was not the winner. I was really hoping for Shuttle McShuttleface to be the winner. It was very close, but our Argo class reconnaissance transport is now named Abigail. So you once again- can't, You can't see my face, but I'm happy. We can see your face. No, I'm not in. You're not in? No, I'm watching chat or I'm watching right now. I can see you. Can nobody else see Vichina? No, I mean on the on. I the can see stream. you. Oh, Gina can't. Wait, what's happening? Uh, she's not know. on the internet. Is I'm what I'm saying. Internet. Well, she's a part of the internet, like crazy. Uh, yeah, oh. uh, Gina's Gina's video is not showing up on Twitch. It's, oh no! Wait, now, now, chat's saying we see me, but I still don't see me. This is so weird. <laughs> so it's, uh, it's a delay, probably. Gina's having some malfunctions yeah. with her cloaking device tonight. Um, so Abigail! well, that's getting. <laughs> Abigail is the name of our Argo class uh, transport. So thank, thank you, everybody who voted. It's great to have Abigail back. Um, and uh, Sam, would you like to regale us real quick with the history of the name Abigail with our RPG group? Yes. So the history of the Abigail began with the very best captain who has ever been to space. <laughs> I speak, of course, of my space spouse, Finn. Uh, who is just absolutely the most delightful mammal there has ever been. Uh, the Abigail did not only exist in the Eric's TBD RPG Doctor Who universe, however, it was also the name of one of the shuttles on the USS Sally Ride on Shield of Tomorrow. 
where all of the shuttles had some sort of connection to Eric's TPD-RPG, being named things like uh, Chronotis. That shuttle unfortunately did not end <laughs> well. <laughs> However, the Abigail aboard the USS Sally Ride did absolutely swimmingly in part because the security officer was absolutely terrified anything might happen to that shuttle in particular. You might have noticed that security officer constantly accumulating what were then called dump shuttles. This was not least to spare our shuttle Abigail from ever ever being harmed and so we come now to today where once a security officer panicked about Abigail ever coming to harm now, the captain can do the same. This is Roko, signing off. <laughs> I did not know we were going to invoke Roko when I was asking that question, but it was nice to see them again. And the makeup definitely uh, enhanced the uh, appearance of Roko. It's good to have them back for a moment. Um, yes, a lot, of people, a lot of people might forget that Finn was in fact a space captain. They captained a pirate ship in space. Um, so that is actually the extent of the announcements that I had for tonight. Does anybody else have anything that they wanted to go over? Yes, Xander. Yeah, I've got some exciting things coming up this week. Uh, Ooh, that will be on, on Wednesday at 12 p.m. noon uh, Pacific time uh, at twitch.tv slash Erica Ishii. We're airing a one shot of Dungeons and Dragons that I dungeon mastered. Uh, and it's in the Humblewood setting. So it's all cute, adorable animals. Aww. They're taking a, a magical aptitude test for the school. It's Erica Ishii, uh, Luis Carrazzo, Whitney Moore, and Trisha Hirschberger, and then myself. And we're playing with the deck of many um, animated spell cards. Uh, so that's on Wednesday at noon. And then Wednesday at 7 p.m. is the finale of Endymion's Gate, the Hillfolk game that I've been playing over at Scabby Rooster. And if yeah. you're not sick of the board, the, the bards enough on Wednesday at 5, in between Xander's two things, you can see Denver by Night on Q Times, which is the, um, uh, the vampire masquerade, all like badass women cast that I'm on. <laughs> So you can get your cute dose, and you can get your blood-guzzling murder dose. Yeah, I'm the badass. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Library Bards. Um, anybody uh, else have any other announcements? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, uh, so uh, I have my Tuesday Akitakis and Tea starting at its new time tomorrow at 9.30 a.m. Pacific time on my channel over at Shidare Aki, uh, followed by my stream on Friday at 11.30, also in Akitakis and Tea. Uh, and I'm in the middle of a develop uh, development for a potential cooking stream on my channel, which I'm still... Uh, <laughs> putting together the components for that and hopefully we'll be up to some some shenanigans soon uh but uh i i do not do this fun cool uh streaming alone i have a couple of really awesome tag team partners one of which is i think about to talk right now oh sam you know it's you come on you know it's you <laughs> yes as aki and eric indicate I stream now. Uh, we had a test, very successful test stream last week on Morning People. That is the just chatting show I do Tuesdays at 8 a.m. to 9.30, uh, reading into Aki thereafter. Um, Tuesdays, 8 a.m., PDT. Uh, that is the one that may contain science. I'm very, very 
Thank you for tomorrow. Um, and <laughs> I also do a video game stream on Saturday at 9 a.m. PDT. This past weekend, we played all the way through Abzu, and it's amazing. I love it. It's beautiful, and uh, I'm I'm really proud of that. So if you want to get a sense of uh, how Abzu do, uh, you can check out the VOD on my Twitch. That's twitch.tv slash delevely, D-E-L-E-B-E-L-Y. And feel free to clip all the times that game made Sam cry. Because... It, it was a lot. Sam was writing dolphins. So what do you think happened? It, <laughs> uh. It's a game that pitches itself, what? people. They definitely did clip uh, other moments of high emotion and peaked <laughs> microphones. Um, but what can I say? I got excited. <laughs> and I think that's a good note to go ahead and jump into tonight's episode of Clear Skies. if you spliced Exio's program with Stone Cold Steve Austin, that's when things would get really scary, personally. Or amazing? Or amazing. Possibly amazing. To see, I want to see Exio do a Stone Cold stunner on a Klingon. Like, that would be... And then smash two beers together and just start yeah, guzzling yeah, them on the bridge. That'd be it. amazing. <laughs> the night is young. <laughs> yeah, we've only just started the game session. Who's to say? That can't happen. I have now uh, watched every episode of WWE. Let's go. <laughs> Oh my god, we need to do a wrestling RPG now. We need to figure this out. Um, all right, <laughs> I'm too tickled by this. I need to I need to get mm, into the storyteller at, uh, mindset to run some Star Trek here. Um, so, our last episode, where we left off, things have been... The, the USS Ross is finding itself in a very precarious position. Because not only is it in a position where it is having to deal with the fact that... It's in bed with an old enemy, but it would appear that Starfleet doesn't have the Ross's back at the moment. Out here at Starbase 105, it's difficult to confirm or even follow up on orders that are being given. You are expected as the crew of the USS Ross to follow any orders that Starfleet is handing out. And one of the higher admirals in Starfleet, indeed an ally, an old commanding officer of Captain Azari Sol, one Nalas Ree, apparently 
is the point person for what seems to be an ops mission that doesn't necessarily have the ring of scrupulousness to it, for lack of a better way of saying that. You guys have been given orders to take a small team consisting of two Jim'Hadar warriors and their Vorda leader into territory formerly held by the Orion Syndicate to search for a founder that has been lost to the Dominion since the end of the Dominion War. And apparently this is linked up with the operations of Captain Azri Sol, who during their time serving in Starfleet intelligence during the Dominion War, helped bring down the Orion Crime Syndicate once it was exposed that a changeling had essentially infiltrated the Syndicate itself and was using it to its own ends. Um, the, Syndic the Orion Syndicate has since fractured and split into different factions. It is no longer the powerhouse that it used to be. Now it kind of wars amongst itself and has essentially been removed from the board as a significant threat to operations. Having learned that a changeling might still be loose here in the Beta Quadrant and has been here ever since the war has ignited all sorts of theories as to what it could have been up to, why it's still out here. But the Dominion would appear to be trying to simply recover one of their own since the last days of the war. Why now? Why after all this time? It's hard to say. It's been six years since the end of the Dominion War and the galaxy is still rebuilding. As you all know from Earth history, the Great Wars decimated countrysides, and it took decades to fully recover from them. Imagine the Dominion War. On Cardassia alone, 800 million Cardassian citizens were killed in a matter of hours by the Jim Hadar and the Dominion. Across the galaxy, the Dominion War ravaged cultures civilizations, tore up battlefields. Uh, even Beta Zet was invaded during the Dominion War. The scars of this war have not healed yet. They're not even close. Even half a decade out, they still feel fresh. And the presence of two Jim Hadar and a Vorda at Starbase 105, with the blessing of Starfleet, has ruffled feathers. Right now, currently, the USS Ross is under orders. The entirety of her crew is under orders to not speak of this mission to anyone. This mission has been classified. The entirety of the crew is now locked into privileged information. And the USS Ross has been ordered to help this Vorda and his Jim'Hadar bodyguards locate and retrieve this founder. Now there's been a delaying action. Azri has been doing whatever they can to sort of try to verify what's going on. But all that's really has happened is that Admiral Nollis Ree has essentially stonewalled everybody into, into asking any further questions, even threatening the recent command promotion of Exio for questioning the order. After cutting contact, the standing order for this mission is now in waiting. And we are at the end of the 24 hour period in which the USS Ross has to decide what it's going to do next. 
during this time, there was also a very interesting meeting with Dr. Wellix. Um, we wrapped up our last episode with Azarisol having a very secret meeting helped supplied by both Exio and the very quick thinking and improvisational genius <laughs> that is our doctor catching on that the secret meeting, there was a lot going on here, played along with it using holographic technology, even fooling the security guards. No one but the command staff, specifically the captain, the commander, and the doctor know this meeting ever took place. It took place in the holodeck. What meeting? Mm-hmm. In which Captain Azri Sol basically offered Wellix a chance to reclaim his life and help the Federation. And Wellix has agreed. Not only has he agreed, but there was a cunning smile, an excitement, as though Captain Sol gave him a chance to find purpose again. The one thing that has been killing him faster than the, than the cerebral damage inflicted upon him by this Tal Shiar device that has been removed from his brain. We are starting off today's episode at 0800 hours. It is the next day. The USS Ross is still at station keeping, docked um, at Starbase 105. 105 is deeper into Federation territory here in the Beta Quadrant. You guys are closer to the Klingon border now than you've been since you arrived at Shackleton. Captain Sol, you do know that according to Nolus Ree, if he is to be still believed, um, you are being told that this is a temporary detached assignment, that you are simply to complete this mission and then return to your station at, at uh, Narendra. And to conclude, as I hand this over to you, the thing that has been standing out most to both Exio and to Captain Sol the thing that has given this entire mission the shadow of uncertainty is the fact that both of you ardently believe that the orders which supposedly originally came from Admiral Janeway have somehow been forged or they're not authentic. And yet Nalus Ree is still backing them as real and ordering the Ross to fulfill her duty. We're going to begin tonight's episode as Alpha Shift comes back on duty. The turbo lift doors opening up as the main crew steps on board. Following uh, right behind Captain Sull is Vren and Prawl, everybody taking their stations. Um, Exio materializing. Um, Morning, Commander. We're going to need that briefing. Ready? All right. All of you, briefing room. Senior staff follows you into the back briefing room. You find yourself, of course, in that gorgeous briefing room that you see on Galaxy-class starships. Um, This long, long, glossy black table to your right is a a wall of tall windows looking out over Starbase's 105. Last late last night is when the Ferengi Decora class cruiser left Narendra Station or Starbase One Zero Five. Currently, aside from civilian vessels, the only thing you see outside the window are a bunch of like cargo ships and transports coming and going from Starbase One Zero Five. Everyone takes their seat at the table. Because I do remember that eight AM was the drop deadline, mm-hmm. I uh, will pass message through Yamanasne to 
accept and make sure that that's done in a timely manner while I'm briefing my staff. Okay, so you, you basically confirm receipt of message. <laughs> yes, mission has been acquired, gotcha. All right, so yes. you send that message back. Um, Captain Sol, as you take a seat at the head of the table, um, glancing quickly over to XEO and then glancing at your command staff, a lot of the command staff has no idea what's going on. Right now, the only people that are truly aware of what is happening is you and Exio. Morning, people. This one's gonna hurt. We discovered yesterday the assignment that we are being called upon to do. I have checked it through as best I could and I'll leave you in no further suspense. We're being asked to escort Evorta and two Jem'Hadar as they seek a founder who apparently went missing in action secondary to operations with the Orion Crime Syndicate. I think we all know why this is no fun. And yet, this is the circumstance in which we find ourselves and the orders that we are given. We are going to fulfill them and our oath to Starfleet and to the Federation as best we can. We are going to ensure that our crew maintain operational secrecy as befits an operation of this level of delicacy. And further, Every single person in this room is responsible for ensuring that the staff on their department are not going to have any kind of altercation with any of them whatsoever. I know precisely what kind of an ask that is for many of us this vessel. Captain, if I may. Chief, please. Do you know, or have they told you if there's only one changeling that is missing? That is what we are being told right now, yes. And do we have a general idea of where it would be? Well, the Vorta appears to believe that they are in broadly speaking the space where they were dug up from the syndicate so we have quite the search area and we'll probably have to do some investigatory operations to narrow that down somewhat with your permission captain i know that there are some records at least within the engineering department of a test that was administered to determine whether or not someone was a changeling. I could work with Dr. McCrell to replicate a few of those tests. Please do. Yes, I should also it... say right now, if this is going to be an assignment that challenges anyone's composure, to talk to the commander and myself sooner rather than later we can handle the challenges 
that this raises, we cannot handle any further loss of control among our staff. If you can imagine this as a cinematic scene in an episode on TV, imagine the camera angle of Prawl slowly glancing up and coming into focus across the table. He's staring right at LaCat, who has got her eyes sort of down and off to the side as she's hearing this information. And he's just watching her very closely for a moment. And Olin is watching both of them. So Olin, from I, I'll let I'll leave it up to I'll leave it up to Rave to tell you what Lacat is feeling, but there is a cold, deadly rage that is being kept in check underneath the skin of Lieutenant Commander Prawl. It's the kind of it's the kind of like cold instinct a sniper might have before they pull a trigger. Same with uh, McCrell. Okay. Same with tech, actually. Same with like <laughs> Everyone in this room. So oh, in that oh, case, you all Olin. understand the rage of yesterday. Getting uh, lots and lots of rage. This, this is so this is fine. Um, Olin, everybody in this room, you are getting a sudden, subtle, slow build of emotion from the senior staff in this room. You already knew. The moment you heard Jim Hadar, it kind of triggered that you knew immediately you were going to get a reaction because you know that at least two crew members have a history here. Um, you know the captain has a history with the Dominion War, but yeah, you knew that especially. Me, yeah, the, the captain gave me the fact that we had we uh, that the mission was awarded last session, so I knew uh, that much at least. So I've been uh, Olin has been kind of mentally preparing for your, this. Especially because, Olin, you saw what Cardassia looked like after the Dominion War. You've been on Cardassia Prime. You know what the skyline looks like. So, mm -hmm. the news kind of hangs in the air for a moment. Captain, if I may, as hard as, as, hard as this will be to keep the composure of the senior staff, I have full faith in our staff. However, calming the composure of thousands of crew members with this news will not be so easy. I don't know if the full ship will be able to contain this secret. I can vouch for my security staff, sir. You hear Prawl just lean forward. I have faith in my crew and in the oaths that they took to Starfleet, and in the very cold backwater station, any fool will find themselves who makes the mistake of stepping to that Vorta or the Jem'Hadar. If I can speak to that, Captain, you hear Prawl speak up. If anyone decides to start a scrap with our guests. They'll be fortunate if we are able to stun them before the Jim Hadar get to them first. Therefore, with your permission, Captain, for their protection as much as the crews, I would like to assign immediately a four-man security team to their detail. I think four people should be unacceptable start. I will trust you to pick appropriate crew members for 
for that assignment. I have a few in mind that would be perfect. Thank you. Do feel free to coordinate with the Vorta and Jem'Hadar themselves. The Jem'Hadar are, after all, responsible for the security of the Vorta. I'll see to it, Captain. Excellent. When can we expect them to beam on board? Within the hour, I should expect. I was due to give my assent to this order right as we stepped into our meeting. It won't be long now. The slow raising of Vryn's hand at the back of the table. Yes, Lieutenant. Sorry, sir. Um, I was just curious. Um, this is a little above my pay grade, as the saying goes. But um, why all the secrecy? Leaving aside the self-evident explosiveness of this type of mission, you ask a very good question, Lieutenant Friend. Are there any others? There's some glances exchanged with each other, Prawl immediately catching the gist of what you just said, glances over at Vryn, and Vryn just goes, <sighs> Jane, Jane, actually, after after um, Ren says that, and I think the only thing she's going to say in this meeting is she's going to look right at the captain and say, Starfleet gave us these orders? Our orders have been confirmed by multiple admirals, Lieutenant Lacat. I and Commander Exio have undertaken steps to ensure everything that we can and we will continue to do so to keep our oaths to Starfleet and to the Federation before I, I let anyone else go I do have to ensure the other element of our operational security this means that we have two secrets aboard Dr. McCrell, I trust that Dr. Wellex will keep to his own interests. However, I understand that that is not always in his capacity. To the extent there's anything you can do to stabilize his condition to prevent further incidents of sundowning, then we'll ensure that he acts out of that interest and not out of some state of confusion. I have some ideas, Captain, that would help his condition. However, right now I'm just more concerned about us bringing war onto this ship. Captain, is there some way I can ease this for everyone? I'm more than happy to I believe the term is tank this for the rest of the crew. If if we would like to funnel interactions with them through me, I'm available for that. Quite frankly, running interference by actually talking to that Forta would be a service worthy of the highest medals in all the Federation. 
<laughs> Captain, I don't suppose I have authorization to confine them to quarters, do I? Or the brig, perhaps? Certainly not the brig. They are, to begin, our guests. If for no other reason we will continue to require coordination with them, it's a privilege. It can be withdrawn, they are not Federation citizens, but because this is, these are our orders. That does I'm not mean Captain. that they have full run of the ship by any stretch, no. Uh, as any civilian not on crew aboard the Ross. So, all the trips to the bar they desire, the holodecks, the promenade, so, thus and such, but nothing protected. There's no call for that. There's simply no need, and I'm sure they would have no such desire, after all. Let's not Prawl be the first folds. ones to step out of line. Prawl folds his hands together and says, we'll see it done, Captain. Thank you, Lieutenant Commander. Is there anything else? Good. Prawl and Vren are quiet. No one likes this, I assure you that. But... We are capable of much. We got through those times. We can certainly get through this. If there's anything you need, that's what the commander and I are here for. Let's get it done. Dismissed. Everyone rises. Unless there's anything else, we can cut to the transporter room. Are we all, as senior staff, all going to be there to welcome them, or...? That'll be up to the captain. I know that the captain and the commander typically are there to welcome guests of this nature. I can say that Tech is going to squirrel away in his lab for a bit. Okay. May I uh, accompany? Mm-hmm. No, I mean the captain and oh. the Tech. Yeah, Olin wants to be there for the arrival. Yes, I think there are a few preparations that need to be made in a few assignments of trying to get the ship squared away so anyone who has missions related to that uh, need not greet the world's most punchable face <laughs> excuse me excuse me the galaxy's most punchable face um Vryn kind of smirks and says yeah this is something actually I should have asked the captain uh, are we telling Dr. Wellicks that these people are aboard is that I should ask in character? Oh, <laughs> mm, yes. uh, are we letting Doctor Wellicks know of our other secret? Yes. I would. Okay. Prawl, Prawl nods to you, Captain, and just says, "If you like, Captain, I can be the one that inform him." Or equally, Doctor McCrell, you two seem to have a. Uh, strong rapport. I trust him to understand the implications and I believe he will be interested enough in cooperating with us out of his own interest not to do anything stupid. Yes, Captain. I shall notify him and also make sure that he is aware to coordinate his movements on the ship away yes. from theirs. 
He should make himself scarce, I'm sure. His security team can talk with the Vorta's security team, Commander Prawl, and ensure that this little parade... I'm sorry, the, the Vorta is getting security? Yes, a four-man security team. We were discussing it a moment ago. I'm sorry. Do you object, just... Lieutenant? No, it's fine. And she goes back to staring at... You can tell she's not processing like everything. Not she's just the... Prawl speaks up and says, not just the Vorta, Lieutenant. I'm assigning security to the Jim Hadar as well. Great. I'm sure we'll barely see them apart. So... For whatever oh, the distinction. I meant that, that the Vorta was going to be having their own security as opposed to just our security. I'm sorry. It's. You can tell Jane is very just out of it. I'm gathering it. Yeah. But that's okay, and the captain's not made significant demands uh, upon the cat thus far. Now let's keep our ship tight and withstand this mission, however long it should take, and then we can get back to our real work, helping people. All right. So we'll cut down to the transporter room two on deck 12. Um, as all of you enter the transporter room, you of course see Chief Sang, who's begun his shift, sees you all walk in and nods and just says, Captain, I've just been informed Starbase 105 has three people to beam over. That they do. Ready or not. There's some chirping, chirping noises on the computer console, and he slides his hand up, and you hear the telltale humming sound of the transporter coming to life. And of course, again, those blued sparkled like curtain begins to appear in front of all of you. And slowly, these three figures beam aboard the USS Ross. They materialize in a... Everything about them seems somewhat sinister as they beam aboard. There's just something about the way they appear on this pad itself. Just, it's probably this just general sense of foreboding that everyone has about these three visitors being on board the Ross in the first place. But the first thing that stands to attention is the fact that one of these Jim Hadar um, can look down on Azuri. Now, Jim Hadar are normally pretty large. They're designed to be very big. Um, this one's crest takes him a full foot over Azuri's head. Standing close to about seven feet, three and a half inches or so, um, this is a huge Jim Hadar soldier. Probably the first. The second is an average sized Jim Hadar, about six feet tall. Um, being dwarfed by both of them, flanked in the middle, is a Vorta that appears, wearing these fine, like, dark, soft-toned purples and lavenders that match those bright lavender eyes of his. Um, this black hair slicked back looks quite handsome, if not incredibly punchable. Um, they materialize in front of all of you. Now, the Vorta is unarmed, which is pretty typical, but it is very obvious that the two Jim Hadar that are flanking him are fully armed. They both have plasma rifles strapped to their back, blades strapped to their to their legs. It looks like they have plasma pistols strapped to their belts. And you can see these rows of Ketracel white that have been uh, attached to the sides of their, uh, to their uniform. Um, 
or at least empty containers of Ketracel white. Uh, there is these, on top of already their unsettling appearance, there is that tube that feeds up right into the back base of their skull. It is full and it is operational. Um, as the Vorda appears to all of you, there's a moment of silence as he glances around the room. The Jim Hadar are stock stone, like still as statues. And the Jim Hadar throws his hands open and says, Captain, what a beautiful ship. And you must be Ambassador Olin Marginil as he steps down off the transporter pad. Um, Ambassador, you know that one of the techniques, I'll give you this, one of the techniques that Vorta diplomats love to employ very subtly is how much they already know about people. They tend to do it very subtly, very casually, and it's always this gentle sort of reminder that they're in control. Now, you don't know if it's a tactical thing or if it's just in genetically bred into their personalities, but his face lights up with enthusiasm when he spots you, Olin, and he steps down off the transporter pad and extends his hand. Just doing a quick check really fast. Ah, okay. Uh, Olin extends their hand in return and says, Nadrin, very nice to meet you. I'm so pleased to hear you say that. I've been a big fan of the work that you did on Cardassia Prime after the unfortunate events of the Dominion War. Of course, we call it the War of the Alpha Quadrant, but you are the victors after all. <laughs> so you should be able to one, be the ones to decide. Um, you can come down. The two Jim Hadars step down off of the transporter pad. And at about that point, Prawl steps into the room with four security teams. Two of them are armed with phaser rifles, which is not usual for a security team at all. Um, the Jim Hadar glance immediately over at the, the four armed people that have entered the room. And the Vorda smiles and says, ah, of course. Captain, before we begin, I would like everyone here to know that we fully intend to cooperate and cause as little problem for you and your crew as possible. And yet you are here. How rude. He every glances at you. What's that? I apologize. Every now and then my tongue gets the better of me. Interesting. That doesn't fit your personality profile. Oh, did I throw you off? I apologize again. Such emotion. Captain, is this going to be a problem? He glances over at you, Captain Sol. Oh, I have every faith in your calm and composure. I'm sure it won't be a problem. How unfortunate that the captain has more faith in my ability to control the situation than their own ambassador. But I suppose I will have to do your job for us both, won't I, Ambassador Marginil? I don't mind having a day off. No, of course not. Well, if we can begin, I would be happy to disclose the information of where we can find our founder. Of course, yes, you'll accompany me, I trust to our meeting. Uh, Sel looks over at the very heavily armed Jem'Hadar. Mm-hmm. Surely your guards don't need to be quite so heavily armed aboard my ship? Of course not, Captain. Surrender your weapons immediately. Without missing a beat, the Jem'Hadar reaches back 
and unhooks this plasma rifle and hands it out to Commander Prawl, who takes it. The other one does the same. They both, in sync, pull out their blades, hand it to Commander Prawl. They completely disarm themselves and immediately hand over all their weapons to the, the security team, who's kind of taking these weapons and just like, Jesus, like, you know, piling them on as a few of the members pull them back. And Commander Prawl says, these will be kept in the armory and we will return them to you as soon as the mission has reached its completion. Thank you. Okay. So, shall we? Lead the way. Like, our plan is probably to have this meeting in the holodeck because I'm not bringing them to the bridge in particular. No? Okay. What are you, we, you're have, going to... we have the diplomatic suites in the promenade as well. That was my other thought. Uh, I think diplomatic suites will do very nicely. Okay. So you're going to go to the promenade? Them. <laughs> yeah. Uh, plus, they give, uh, they give us advantage on the social rolls. That is true. Yes. It absolutely will. So you're going to take them up to deck eight on the, the promenade. Yeah. Um, arriving at the promenade, first of all, the promenade is not empty. So stepping into the promenade as all of you enter causes people to freeze in place and stare as the three of these visitors enter onto the promenade deck being led by the captain and Exio with Ambassador Majanil flanking them. Captain is meeting everybody's eyes of the don't start energy. Olin, you get anxiety spikes immediately. The sight of Jim Hadar, not everybody on the USS Ross is a veteran of the Dominion War, but most of the people who serve in, in the Federation today did have an experience in the Dominion War. And those who didn't came out of the Academy knowing damn well who the Jem'Hadar were. And seeing two Jem'Hadar warriors flanking this Vorda as the three of you, uh, as the three of them enter into the promenade, it, it causes an immediate fear spike in a lot of the people that you're seeing. Oh, um, Olin has been absorbing a lot of rage and anxiety from everyone around them, and so all of their responses are pretty much reflection of that um, okay. so far. Because uh, I, I believe that Olin at this point is uh, feeling especially very keenly LeCat's rage kind of in them and is not doing a very good job of containing it. It's been seeded a little bit. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, as you move into the promenade, the Vorda is aghast, just looking around. It's like, I heard about the Ross class. I'm so, so pleased to finally be able to see it with my own eyes. This is quite lovely, truly. It's good to see the Federation getting back to its roots of diplomacy and peace. Of course, in that way are agreed. It speaks beautifully to your good taste to appreciate such a vessel. Thank you, Captain. I admit I'm a bit of an admirer of Federation starships. Dominion ships can be so impersonal. They lack personality. They're all about efficiency and power. But Federation starships seem to have a comfort to them. Surely it's all of the Founders' will. Yes. You see this light spark in his eye, like you just said something, like, you understand. Like, you see this joy in his face. Um, the Jim Hadar, of course, are dead silent. They kind of remind you a little bit of the Remans that you encountered back at Narendra Station. But whereas those Remans are constantly like their eyes darting about, these Jim Hadar are not darting about. 
Their eyes are focused mainly on the Vorta and each other, but they're not checking out their surroundings at all. Doesn't um, matter what the surroundings are. If there's a problem, they'll solve it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Check out my beat why the Vorta revolves it. Um, sorry. I had to make an ice ice baby joke. All right. So, Xander, you okay? Do you want to roll for hemorrhage? Okay. Cool. Just checking. Um, all right. So you are all led to an open area where you typically, this is around the area where you hosted the last diplomatic uh, sort of engagement that you had on the Ross. This large open um, area that's surrounded by a lot of the plants and holographic waterfalls. The Vorta moves into the area where these, these large comfortable tables and chairs seated. And um, you see a couple of wait staff moving about and serving drinks. The Vorta just is quiet in awe, clapping his hands together and looking around. I'm going to uh, catch an eye of the head staff and give a... We're going to have the room cleared now. Okay. With efficiency, the Ox crew begins to clear out the deck and make space on this side of the promenade. And it takes maybe about two or three minutes before there is no other crew member in sight. Just wanted to be clear, Captain, do you make eyes with me too? Or would you like me here for the meeting? Oh, absolutely. Uh, are we in are we in an are we in an enclosed space? No, you're on the promenade. Alright, did we want to use one of the actual rooms? That That is uh, my aim, yes. Uh, but I don't mind clearing the promenade itself so that people aren't sure or otherwise <laughs> trying to do the same thing but acting cool mm -hmm. which inevitably they won't so as we as we're moving into one of the actual proper rooms uh olin is going to uh kind of place a gentle hand uh on uh captain's elbow to keep them from going in just yet. I charge forward to continue um, hosting to give them a moment. Okay. Um, the Vorta follows you. And for a brief moment, you have some time to yourself as Nadrin follows Exio into the room with the two Chimhadar flanking him. Yes, Ambassador? I thought I was ready for this, but I don't think I can do this. All right, do you need out right now? I am. What happened in the transporter room was definitely not my best showing, even if what I said was true. I do not want to be the reason that any of this becomes compromised, and I believe the Vorta already believes he has the upper hand on me, which does none of us any good. So perhaps it is better that I excuse myself from this. Would you like to be in the meeting with my help? If you are okay with me trying to give this another shot, then yes. Honestly. I'd rather not show our hand by having you leave the room after something like that. Keep you here. 
Show them what you can do. Show them what you are capable of. And seriously, if I can help to maintain your calm, it's what I'm for. There's a lot of angry people on this ship right now. And it is a little bit overwhelming. And when he said that about Cardassia Prime, I think for the very first time, I understood the desire to do a violence. Then, today I shall focus on maintaining my Kluros properly this time, and do my part to keep everything calm. Thank you, Captain. I appreciate it. I am actually rather glad that I left Patience in the in my quarters today. I'm fairly certain she would have uh, not responded well. Fortunate then, one fewer thing to worry about. After you, Captain. And if any diplomatic emergency come up in the middle of this meeting, I completely understand. Thank you, Captain. So Sol will go in and broadcast calm a little more okay. than they otherwise might permit themselves. Okay. <laughs> uh, I'm happy to make a control command roll of some kind if you'd like that, a green die roll. Yeah, so this would be sort of like adding an advantage to the scene. Yeah. So, um, you guys, do you, do you, you, so we don't have any momentum yet. So why don't we do this? Why don't we just make this a, 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 uh, what's up, Gina? I, I, I wanted to help in a way. Um, sure. How would you help? I wanted to assist by, um, uh, very loudly when they enter the room, be talking up the specific, um, uh, the diplomatic suites as an honorary gift specifically for the, uh, as a way to, um, equal the 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 magnificence of a diplomat such as Olin. like i'm just like regaling them with with how incredible of a diplomat they are so that's why the magnificent suites are thus so magnificent to the world mm-hmm. they are worthy of such a dip like so that i am loudly giving them confidence <laughs> right in addition to the calming okay all right so then why don't we do this we'll set the difficulty at zero um, so this will be a good opportunity to build up some momentum, and um, this will be basically what I'm going to ask you to do is the momentum spend. You're going to whatever momentum you generate from this success will have to be spent to actually cause to create the advantage. But um, this this task to roll will essentially be to set the tone of the meeting. So go ahead and make your roll. Right. Um, and that's going to be a command plus presence roll. And then uh, Exio, you can assist here. And I'll also allow you to do command presence on this. Thank you. Yeah. So for this role, I know for subsequent uh, social roles, the diplomatic suites will likely roll in. Uh, will they to this too? I think they would too, yes. Okay. This is kind of what they're built for. So, yeah. and, and, and especially because Exio is literally talking them up right now. So I think uh, they would definitely apply to this role as well. How do they apply? Uh, so then uh, we can be assisted by the ship's uh, computers command or structure command. Uh, so I, that is- I think is... structure command would be smart, right? 
uh, computer's command uh, has the edge. Oh, uh, really? Because the ROS got to uh, Goose's system, and naturally we right. opted for computers because... What's up? <laughs> okay, cool. Hopefully that works. All right, so go ahead and make your roll. This should max you guys out on momentum. So let's see what happens. Now that I've said that. <laughs> How dare you jinx us, Eric Campbell. <laughs> May I use uh, and focus? Um, yes. Heck, are you rolling for Ross on this? Who wants to roll for Ross? Olin, do you want to roll for Ross? Or does, who would like to roll for Ross? I can roll for Ross, sure. Sure. Uh, Sam was giving it to you. What is it again, Sam? A 13 target. Our focus is at two. Okay, cool. And I'm rolling what for uh, the Ross? Computers Computer. and... Yeah, so 13 yeah. and you want two or two or lower is a, is a critical success. Uh, we got a success from Ross. Okay, cool. So go ahead and make everybody make their rolls. Uh, any particular social skills rolling into this one? Uh, do you have any focuses on like diplomacy or? <laughs> uh, I have sort of broadly the social skills. So I have things like uh, persuasion um, and deception and intimidation. Like I have the skills. But Specifically, not... this would be diplomacy. Okay. This would be a very specific skill set. Um, so probably not a focus here. Okay. Um, and I think we do. Gina, are you still with us? Or did you freeze? I'm still here. Just checking. Okay. Yeah. So, um, so go ahead and do your roll, Sam, and then we'll do get Gina's roll. Yes. Uh, so then that is. Uh, so then, because I'm not rolling with a focus, that'll be uh, three successes, and the pheromone die won't quite crit. <laughs> okay. But it, it's in that range, so we're looking at, at a fairly robust response. Okay, so that's four and, successes total so far. Go ahead and do your and, thing. And uh, two successes from Exio. So five, six successes total. All right, so you're maxed out. Now you're going to spend two of those momentum to create an advantage, which will last for the rest of the scene. So why don't we do this? Using your abilities, your gifts, Sam. You're going to spend two momentum to create an advantage. Um... Momentum can allow a character to produce an advantage or positive for the scenario. So spending two momentum establishes some new advantage. So what we'll do is this. As of right now, because of that two momentum spin and the creation of the advantage, all diplomacy checks are going to be at minus one difficulty. So, so it, moving, this scene has like the trait of like de-escalated tensions or something? Right, exactly. Cool. So it's going to be a lot easier to keep things calm. Um, even if they get, even if, even if things get kind of edgy, it's going to be very easy to keep things chill at the table. Do I observe any response from the from, Vortha or Jem'Hadar? Oh, you are so curious to see. You're looking for scientific, like, <laughs> evidence well, of what's going on. Um, I would say- And also purely from an intelligence perspective, what assets yeah. do I have at my disposal? Make an insight command check. Love it. Oh, um, the difficulty for this- <laughs> I am actually going to spend th two threat mm -hmm. to increase the threat range by two, mm -hmm. but I'm going to set the difficulty for this at three. All right, very well. I will uh, take a bonus die 
and okay. off we go. Uh, how much did you increase the threat range? Oh, never mind. I have a reroll. By, by two. Okay, then uh, we're perfectly fine. That's uh, four. Four. Um, yes, you do see an effect. You do see the Vorda and you do see the Jim Hadar. All three of them seem to relax a little bit. Um, you see them sort of like the Jim Hadar doesn't seem any more or less alert, but the Vorda does seem to have a slight bump in his step, a slight smile to the side of his mouth that he didn't quite have before. He seems to be allowing himself to enjoy the environment a little bit more. It's very likely that's an effect of what you're doing right now as he enters the room and slides into a chair and he runs his hand over the surface of the table with a big smile on his face. I take my place with my commander on my right and my ambassador on the left and we're ready to go. Okay, so real quick, as discussions begin, we're gonna cut to the bridge. Because right now on the bridge, Vren and Lacat have taken their stations back and are sitting side by side in dead silence. You guys are technically right now the only senior staff that's on the bridge that's not part, uh, that's not one of the relief officers. Now, the Ross is in dock right now. So there's not a particular, you don't necessarily have to be at your post. You definitely know that Vryn doesn't have to be at his post. There's not a lot of point to having the helmsman sitting there when you guys are docked. So it's a little obvious to you, Lacat, mm-hmm. that he's not doing anything right now, and he's blatantly trying to make it look like he is. You see him just like hitting a button or two on the console, just like. Mm-hmm. Is he humming? Yes. He's doing a shit job of pretending like he's busy. He's just. Um, what's what's the read I'm getting off of Ren right now? Um, because obviously he's um he's he's humming, but is he like um like do do I does he seem off? Like does he seem as as just because Lacat Lacat has taken this hard, right? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and so uh, is is he taking it as? Like, yeah, just, just does he seem off? Or does she actually is like, wow, you can process this very fast and you're doing fine? No, he seems off. You get the impression right. immediately, Lacat, that he's probably here because you're here. You're getting the impression that the reason why he's sitting at the station is it was okay. very obvious to the people in that room that you were upset. Yeah. You get the impression that Vryn is just keeping close by and pretending to be busy when he has nothing to do. He's just, hmm, <laughs> Um, okay, then in that case, so Lacat also sits for a few minutes, and um, she's she, she's deep in her feels right now um, about about this order, and she like tries she she like tries to do go through the motions, and um, about after like five minutes realizes that maybe she can, and um, turns to Ren, hears the humming. Jesus fucking Christ. Um, <laughs> and goes, I'm, I, I need a walk. I think I'm going to go take a walk. And she just kind of like says this to the room. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, hoping, because she's not in a place where she can like ask for help just yet. So she's just hoping that Ren gets it. Um, 
so that's definitely my intent is I'm going to take a walk and I want you to come with me, but I'm not going to directly ask you. Um, so she stands up and she kind of like makes for the door, but like she's waiting for Vren. I'm going to have Vren roll command insight on this. Great. <laughs> I have, I have a, a technical question really fast. Yeah. Have we ever established who is in command of the bridge when Exio and, and the captain? Yes, and there, is an, there, there is an order of command. Yeah, the ox crew. I actually have a list of who it is, but we actually okay. have an ox crew list. Yeah. I just wanted to make sure because I don't think I don't know if we've ever explicitly said except maybe one time very early on and I don't remember now who it it's was. It's also worth noting you guys are in space dock right now. No one has to be on the bridge at the moment. We also you guys have are a literally particular in character uh, who is uh, the next one. And and yeah, I just don't think I've written down that name, so I, I apologize for. I don't think it's been given it. yet. Perhaps at some future point. <laughs> Yeah, sorry to sorry to throw a, a, a wrench in the works. I was just curious. I rolled two successes. Oh, thank God. So Vryn goes, well, that looks like that's done. And he stands up <laughs> and um, uh, follows you back to the turbo lift. And the Vryn? two of you step into the turbo lift and the doors close um, behind you. Yeah, I think, I think that she stays uh, quiet for a few more minutes. Um, before going, um, so, so how are you handling this? I'm terrified. He kind of smiles at you. Says, "No, I'm I'm absolutely terrified." You're smiling though. Yeah, this that's what how I. That's terror you. looks on you. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Have you 100%. been terrified this whole time because you've been smiling a lot during this? Yes. I watched Jim Hadar gun down 15 Starfleet officers on an emergency landing during an asteroid rescue. Um, was your response to hum then as well? No, it was a little more screaming, but uh, yeah, when I was giving triage to three of those officers, I was humming, yeah. Huh. Um, friend? Yeah. We have been sitting next to each other for quite some time. Yeah, not. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to speak freely with you, if that's all right with you. You see him just kind of brace, and he goes, "Okay." Uh, is the are we still in this turbo? You know what? Yeah. Um, so not Star Trek person here. Uh, does the turbo lift work like an elevator? It, the turbo lift does and doesn't work like an elevator. Of course, it goes kind of left, right, up, down. It goes across the ship. Um, Great. Stopping it, the turbo lift is absolutely an idiomatic Trek thing. Yes, and and, and Not just anyone also on this true staff to Trek. Ever done that? Also true to Trek is the turbo lift lasts as long as the scene needs it to last. <laughs> but, yeah. Well, no, I, so. th I think that Jane is going to keep pushing buttons so they keep going to different places. Like, okay, cool. I guess we're going here now. You, <laughs> you're taking the turbo lift down to deck thirty-nine antimatter storage. And then as you guys start nearing antimatter storage, you redirect the turbo lift back up to deck four in the armory. Yep, and just, you're just, just kind just, of moving throughout the ship. There's some poor soul waiting for it. Just like... <laughs> there is a great moment in the Wrath of Khan where where, uh, where Bones goes, who's been holding up the damn elevator? Um, all right, so you guys yeah. are zipping around. All right. uh, we're zipping around. Um, Jane says, I'm going to speak freely with you, if that's all right with you. Yeah, of course. Uh, I think I'm going to need your help as a friend. Yeah, what do you need? 
Um, I need your help making sure I don't claw Avorda's eyes out. I can and do that. And she says this with, like, dead seriousness. In a way that, like, I don't think he's ever heard Jane, um, say anything. And, um, he, she goes, I, I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. And I know, I know the captain said that I could go to them, and I could go to Axio, but I know myself, and I know that I would hate myself so much more if I tried to back out now. And, like, what would I do? Pretend that, like, none of this was happening? No, like, I, I, I know I have to look this in the eye. I am just afraid of what I will do. When, you know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be equally honest with you. Yeah. There's no... I don't think there's a quick... Um, he reaches over and presses the button to the turbo lift again. And um, joining you <laughs> as uh, he enters a new deck number in and just says... I, um, think, I think, like, literally, like, the turbo lift uh, doors open. Uh, and, like, someone tries to get on. And Jane, like, literally looks at him and says, It's full. And, like, pushes the button again. <laughs> um at one point, um, at, at about that point, that's when Vryn, who's getting ready to say, uh, computer uh, hold turbo lift. And he goes, Great. And he turns to you and says, um, Yeah, if you did talk to Exio, Exio could support you, but there's not going to be a quick fix because this is a war wound and it doesn't get quick fixed ever. Yeah. And, um, you know, I know that. So, you know, you don't really talk about what you've been through, but yeah, I don't have to, if you don't want to right now. No, I'll tell you. Okay. I mean, why the hell not? I mean, our past seems to have caught up with us. So, um, you're opening up to me. I'll, I'll tell you. Um, I mean, to be fair, I have shared no personal information with you so far, but... Yeah, that's okay. I'm still your friend. So. Um. Um, that affects her, I think. <laughs> that affects her. He, um, okay. He pulls on his chops for a second and then says, I was part of a rescue operation that was a joint rescue operation that was being conducted with the Klingon Empire and Federation Ops, Starfleet Intelligence specifically. I was just the pilot. Um, we were to infiltrate a Dominion detention center where we believed some Starfleet officers with sensitive information were being held and tortured. And he if anyone's going to fly into that, it's going to be you. Let's be real. Yeah. Yeah, I was ready for it. And... Um, it was in a nebula. The nebula was mined. And I did okay, but the Klingon pilot, their shuttlecraft hit one of the mines. The Klingon shuttlecraft collided with us, and both of us went down onto the surface of an asteroid, uh, where during our evacuation and getting into our zero-G chutes, the side of the shuttle doors blew open. And we you see him hesitate as he looks oh, up for a second he just says we were in a kill box for about 20 seconds yeah. 
Um, the Klingons flanked them and managed to fend off the Jem'Hadar, killed them so we could get out alive. We escaped onto the surface of the asteroid. They were calling for the op to be aborted, but the Klingon shuttle was still functional. Their pilot was dead. I took over controls of the Klingon shuttle. The six remaining Starfleet officers who could move ordered me to continue the mission. They loaded up onto the Klingon shuttle, and with the damaged Klingon shuttle, we infiltrated the Dominion facility and found that the prisoners were already executed. And, you know, there's really nothing in the details of this story that aren't just awful. We managed to get out, and they gave me a medal and gave me my choice of command and gave, and promoted me. And Lacat, I didn't do anything. They, they conflated my record. They said that I was a hero and it was all bullshit. They, it's still, they couldn't have done that without you. Um, I could have- can you, can, you, can you turn around for a second? Just turn around? Are like, these the last moments of wall? my life? What's happening? He, he turns um, around and faces the wall. Yeah, he turns around and faces the wall, and I think June's just gonna cry. Um, yeah, she's okay. She's gonna cry for a second, and she's um, gonna like take that moment to herself, and she's gonna be like, "Okay, you can turn back around now." He turns back around, and you see as he looks at you, his eyes have welled up, oh, and buddy. um. In his eyes, you see scars. Yeah. And he's like, I don't know, Lacat. I don't know if I have any answers for you. Maybe sometimes it's just nice to hurt with somebody. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, man, if I see that Vorta, I'm gonna be like, well, I can't, I can't be like, fuck you, even though I really want to be, you know? And, like, her voice, like, reverbs off. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, man, it's good to know. Can I tell you something? Yeah. I, I was thinking about this. Um, I would avoid the Vorta at all costs because I have this, I have this feeling that if he sees you in particular, if he sees you he's going to start trying to push buttons. The Vorta love to push buttons. And if he sees a Cardassian wearing a Starfleet uniform, he's going to try to push buttons. I, I guarantee it. That's the way he's going to see it. Um, and like through like her red rimmed like eyes, like I think that she starts to laugh a little. Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and goes like, I, I think that, Anyone who knows me will tell you that the one consistent way to get me to do anything is to tell me to not to do it. Oh, um, shit. <laughs> you're right. Shit. You see him. He puts his hands and squeezes in his antenna in frustration and goes, oh, you're right. I shouldn't have said that. I'm sorry. That was, oh that's, oh my God, that's all on me. So when the court martial, when the court martial is happening, what the fuck? He's like, I'm. I'm gonna just tell the tribunal. When when this the news when this the news reports you, hit, and she's like laughing now. Yeah, he's like, when when this the news reports hit, hit the airwaves. This goes down. This is a, this. Oh my god. 
And then oh they're going to send a scientific expedition to find out how it was possible that uh, a lone Cardassian literally tore apart a Vorta with her bare hands. Oh my and they're going to ask me, Just... did I give her Ketracil white or something? And I'll be like, no, dude, I told you guys to keep away from her. And I'm going to be like, "Just you, this, it's all it's all on him. And that will go in front of that tribunal and I'll be like, talk to fucking Xylus Ren. Anyway. I'm, I'm the one. I did this. You did this. Um... Ooh, boy. Let's roll to see if she... Oh, shit! Yeah. I got a, I got a one. I want to know what she, what that roll was for. <laughs> she, she's going to hug Bren. Okay. Yeah. Um, she's going to hug Bren, and, I'm, and I think that she's not going to say anything about it, and she's just going to hit... Um, go. She's going to hit yeah. floor he, number. He quietly hugs you back, doesn't say anything else. And after right. a few moments, he begins to feel your arm reaching for the manual button to continue the, the thing. And he goes, hold on. And then he kind of shuffles his feet so that you can reach it. Great. And you, behind his Good. back, you press it. He understands how this works. Yeah. Fast <laughs> um, learner you are, Bren. Um, and so yeah, she hits, she hits the button. Okay. Yeah. And the nice turbo button. lift continues. Yeah. What is Chief Tech doing right now? What's Chief Tech up to? Chief Tech has uh, holed himself up in what's now sort of become his holodeck in a way. Uh, people know to sort of get out of the way or vacate it when he's a coming. Uh, so he heads into his holodeck and um, activates his program, which is his lab. But it comes up as a, a like industrial kitchen. So there are just rows and rows of this like steel um, sort of shelving in a tiled like blank room mm -hmm. that have engineering parts and sort of like um tubs that are labeled in different ways uh, in engineering uh parts and he starts going right away um to like hitting each of the different uh departments pulling up historical facts trying to get some schematics and assembling these tests that he remembers from back in the war days okay so you are basically deep diving into all of this right now. So that's what tech is up to. Yeah. All right. And what I'm going to do, since you are making it a point to do all of this, Xander, is that I'm going to give you an advantage mm -hmm. that you can apply to a scene in the future. Okay. So um, I'm going to basically say that you are, this is sort of like a research scene for you that I'm going to allow you to take that and apply an advantage trait in the future that involves anything with the Dominion. So any okay. kind of intelligence or anything like that, you'll be able to present that to the captain to lower a difficulty or to give like a free uh, question that you need to ask or anything like that. So you can bank this. Got it. Okay. And then uh, am I successful in creating the devices? Um, like to, to Yes, because the truth of the matter is, is the devices to detect changelings are actually a very simple medical test. It's mm -hmm. literally, the Klingons would just slash their palms to the blade. Right. Um, for you, blood. it's a very simple, like, the, the schematics that are drawn up, the very simple blood sample, there's just a, like, a hypo kind of deal. Easy. You just need to have physical contact. But yes. Yeah. It's easy to replicate those. You spend a few minutes replicating those up. Um, all right. Actually, while I have that, um, as soon as I've, I've sort of put this plan into action, uh, I'm going to contact Prawl. Okay. Okay. Uh, Chief Tech to Prawl. Meanwhile, back on the promenade, Prawl, who's standing a few feet away from the Jim Hadar and the captain, 
when he, the communicator comes through, he nods to the captain that he's excusing himself for a second as you hear uh, Chief Tech come through his communicator. And he just moves off to the side and says, yeah, Chief, what's up? I have the tests ready. At uh, the earliest convenience, I would like to test both the Jem'Hadar and the Vorta and your security team. We need to make sure that what they're saying their identities are are, are the truth. And Good these thinking. are the times that we're living in now. I'll have to run that by the captain, but I have no problems with that personally. I think we should do it. When you have the time. You got it. Out. Moves back over and assume, resumes his position. Um, so the Vorta just leans forward and says, well, you'll be happy to know, Captain, that the search area is a little bit more refined than initially thought. We have the coordinates of the last known location of our founder. I'm very glad to hear. When did you get those coordinates? How fresh? Oh, I've had them, of course. They right, wouldn't yeah. send me out here. For how long? I'm trying to figure out how cold our trail might have gotten. You understand? Of course, yes. Um, these coordinates were the last known location roughly six years ago, when the Dominion War, as you call it, came to an end. That's about the, time, about the time we lost contact with the Founder. And the last communication with the Founder? I'm afraid I can't share that. Of course. I'm sure you and I both share the desire to find your founder as quickly as possible, and in so doing, I trust that you will share everything that you can. Of course, Captain. Anything I can do to help your duty be fulfilled in this matter. Your objective, objective is my objective here. I couldn't agree more. So beyond this trail six years ago, my, my, other than that, what further intelligence do you have to help us find them? I believe that wherever the Founder is, we are going to find what might be one of the last bastions of the Orion Crime Syndicate. One of the hidden locations, as it were. A place called Yakavar. Captain Saul, the name Yakavar, it's like being plugged into a light socket. Starfleet Intelligence spent a decade looking for this place. This is one of the safe havens for smugglers of the Orion Syndicate, and Starfleet could never find it. It was a needle and a galactic-sized haystack. There has never been any intelligence. The Orion Syndicate, even after all the intelligence gathering that's been happened, even after the end of the Dominion War, no one has been able to find this pirate haven. So I'll keep their cool about it. Okay. For now. For now. Exio's making a lot of mental connections right now. <laughs> Exio's literally just, hmm, 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 okay, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Cork board, but circuit board, yes. <laughs> yeah. Um, and with that, the Vorta reaches down and produces a small data pad, obviously Dominion in origin, and slides it across and says, this is the location of the Yukovar system. Beyond that, our intelligence becomes a bit more foggy. I'm sure you understand that this is not the easiest trail to follow at this stage. You've 
really let this run quite a while, I'm afraid. Well, I must say it was not my doing, of course. I'm only three years old. When this took place, this was by the order of the Founders. And their intentions, whatever they may be, are truly none of my concern. I am simply a humble servant trying to bring one of our Founders home. And the Founders have now authorized such a mission? Indeed, in fact, it was one Founder in particular who joined the Great Link six years ago who authorized this mission. You speak of Odo. Yes. Do you know the Founder? I have never had the privilege of meeting Odo. I'm afraid he left before I could begin my diplomatic work on Cardassia Prime, but I do know of him and have heard many things about him, and I believe that if he has uh, ordained this rescue to be done, it is most likely for a very good reason. And as somebody who was not necessarily Starfleet, but Starfleet adjacent, I can now understand why we were suddenly being asked to do this mission. It's true. No one understands what it's like to be left behind by their own, quite like founder Odo does. And this founder, being so far away from the Great Link for so long, naturally, in all of his compassion, founder Odo knew that it was in the best interests for all of the founders to bring this founder back to the Great Link. And what a tremendous opportunity it is for us, the Dominion, to once again establish feelings of friendship and cooperation with the Federation. I think you will find that there are many here who understand what it's like to be left behind. I'm so sorry to hear that. No one should feel that way. Indeed, no one should. I apologize for the interruption, Captain. Go ahead. I quietly, uh, while that exchange went on, uh, catch eyes with Exio, the sort of like, uh, you're getting read right now. You know what Exio reminds me of in this scene? What? That moment in Empire Strikes Back where Lando glances over to his security officer who has just been stone-faced analyzing and observing everything with, like, clinical <laughs> like just like watching everything just kind of exio glancing back at you <laughs> it's amazing what you can learn if you don't say anything mm-hmm. because you don't have to work so hard to be winning the conversation you can just observe how they're hitting the tennis ball <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah so I, I would like to be making um some reads at the earliest convenience at the nod of the captain okay I would likewise uh, appreciate assisting that particular vibe check. Then why don't we do this? Let's make this check and then we'll begin our break and come back in about 10 minutes. So let's go ahead and make the roll. So you're gonna do an insight roll on the Vorda specifically? Yeah. Okay. Is there, is there any way I can assist as well? Not really. Can, okay. You, normally you might be able to, but this is really, this is like, this is like a poker move. The captain's kind of very subtly giving this motion to Exio. I would say um, technically flavor-wise right now, I'm making this check because of how much you are connecting to the Vorta right now. Um, he is opening up because of what you're saying, which is allowing me to do this. You know, and, with, and we're able to angle. make this check because yeah. you're tanking a conversation. Otherwise, yeah. it would be too obvious that we're locking eyes. Right. 
Yeah. Okay. So a uh, room again uh, as well, if you want to. Um, this is going to be insight command. And this is actually going to be a contested roll. So the difficulty is going to be one. And it's whoever gets the most successes here. Okay. Um, insight command. Does the room get a, a roll as well this time around again? Oh, they're all success. Um, yes. Yes, it would. Okay. Absolutely. And does our advantage apply because I've put him at ease a little bit? I would, when you put it like that, I would, I would say that that makes sense. Yes. Lovely. Thank you. Uh, so that'll, uh, reduce the difficulty, I suppose, technically. Um, yes, I would say that would reduce your difficulty to zero. Cool. Yeah. His difficulty is still going to be one. I am going to spend threat, though, to give him an extra die. Uh, I'll roll for Ross. All right. Also going to buy a die. Okay, dokie. Ooh. (laughs) Okay. Interesting. (laughs) To say the least. All right, so... Um, so I'm actually going to invoke one of the special rules that the Vorta has, which is voice of the founders, and I can reroll any 1d20 when attempting a command or con action. Someone rolled a complication. Yup. <laughs> oh. uh, no joy from, from Ross. Uh, joy okay. from Saul. All right. So tell me how many successes y'all got total. I personally got five. So that'll be a total of six then. Six? Mm-hmm. Does Ty go to Defender? Uh, Ty goes to the active player, so we That's are making the So, Exio, it's not that you succeeded because you guys tied. Um, That's oh, but our difficulty is one and his is zero. His, his was the difficulty one, but he got six successes. Um, because I rolled three crits. And we're maxed on momentum with some overflow that we can put into some pain information spends for you, my good commander. Um, Thank so, you. Cold reading that mo boat. So you're cold reading him? Okay, so go ahead and tell me what you want to learn from him for this cold read. And then if you want more information, we can do an obtain information check or spend on that. So what would you like to know? Well, um, I would like to know his true feelings towards Odo absolute reverence, adoration, and um, awe. Okay. He he feels a sense of divine calling. Even uttering Odo's name makes this Vorta feel like he has spoken to God. Okay. Um, uh, when he was talking about being left behind, um, was there any deeper um, things I could read into that? Yes. That is my next question. I'll give you this too, because as you're kind of reading this, the one thing that you note, Exio, is this Vorta, true to what their personnel files say about Vorta, this is a slick motherfucker. Yes. He knows how to poker face like no one you have ever read before. 
for a few moments you are second guessing at what he's trying to get at and how he's dictating things but cross-referencing with some of the personnel files and encounters that Starfleet has had with Vorta you're able to piece together that when he says things like no one should be left behind his mag his magnanimity is more of a performance than it is actual sympathy got it as it applies to anybody other than the founders he doesn't give a shit yeah. um he he would watch he would watch if the founders ordered it this vorta would bomb an entire city filled with children if he was given the order of course he, yeah you get the impression he, he is specifically using we and and he is using uh community pr like yeah. He's using community terms to mm -hmm. endear himself. We. He's saying us. Yeah. Uh, he's constantly using salesman language to yeah. continuously, subtly break down walls. It is a masterful display of diplomacy, and it's truly terrifying to watch. You're picking up on it. You're not 100% sure anybody else is. Sure. Okay. Uh, can I, like, maybe tag in a couple things? Uh, that I'm curious about on that. Are you guys cool going a few more minutes before we cut to break? Sure, I, I don't mind. Okay. All right, cool. Uh, Let's go ahead and do this thing then. Just quick question. Uh, yeah. So in that thing, when he was talking about the nobody should be left alone, was he intentionally trying to target that to any of the three of us in that this room? Likewise, by yeah. referencing Odo, is he trying to put us at ease? Um, go ahead. That's an obtain information check, mm -hmm. or you're going to spend the momentum for that. Mm -hmm. um, no, he wasn't. Actually, we're fine. No, you don't get the impression he was targeting anybody. You get the impression he was sniffing it out. Mm, he okay. was using that to try to sniff out who it was in this room that might have similar background. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. He was casting the line. He was taking temperature. He wasn't actually targeting anybody. So he doesn't have uh, fish on the line yet. Great. Uh, did he name check Odo to try to put us at ease, or was this genuinely an Odo thing? Hard to say. On that one, it's hard to say. Yeah. Um, Dang it, that was the only one I cared about. He, he knows, you get the impression that he knows what Odo's name is going to mean to the Federation. Yeah. But, that's but it about also all means you... something genuinely to him. So. It means something genuinely to him. Him yeah. referencing Odo, again, is kind of like he's reciting a verse from the Bible. Like, he is... He, this is as close as you'll see him get emotional. Okay, so regardless of what Odo means to us, it means something to him. So name dropping that is he feels, more personal than it is a target. Yes, his feelings on this whole subject that you're getting from this. Yeah. To answer your question, he feels like none of you, you're getting the impression that he feels like none of you truly understand, truly realize how blessed you are to have been given this mission. Maybe for a different reason on our end, but sure. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right. Uh, all right. I don't have any other questions as of now. I'll 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 try. To What's that? Them. Take your momentum down to, by the way. Do you oh, that was, uh, that was pure day. overflow. Uh, it was all the overflow from this. Starting at three before the roll, and because that was a total of six net momentum due to the existence sure. of the advantage. Mm -hmm. or, no, I'm sorry. Uh, we wouldn't have. Uh, we wouldn't have bounced up all of that much. I apologize because uh, opposed rolls are on net. So we will be right. at four and then right. have spent one putting us at three. Thank so. you. I was about to say, but I appreciate it. I wasn't sure. I couldn't remember that, that rule. Um, so 
as this secret war is being waged over this table with calm voices in the beautiful backdrop of the USS Ross's diplomatic suite, her engines are slowly coming online as she's preparing to depart for her mission. Let's go ahead and take a break there. We'll come back in 10 minutes as we embark from Starbase 105. We'll see you guys soon. Don't go anywhere. Because you know that if Exio ever did a Stone Cold Stunner on a Jim Hadar, that the the crowd like reaction it. alone would just shame the Vorta. Like they would just be, there'd be nothing. I mean, honestly, I'd just like to see them try to hold on to my hard, light, fit body. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's- Stone Cold Stun Setting. What you should, yeah. What you should do is make them think that they've really got the upper hand at the diplomacy table. And then out of nowhere, just flick them off and kick them, stun them. Yeah. Well, what, well in honor of, of, of wrestling, what I would actually do is I would pick up the table and slam it on their back. <laughs> <laughs> the whole damn table. Yeah. Uh, welcome back, everybody. Um, we've been having very philosophical debate since the uh, break went on. Um, but we're ready to jump back into the game now. Um, leaving, uh, picking up where we left off. Um, the negotiation table, you've also discovered the coordinates of which this Vorta has given you the probable location of uh, a changeling that has been missing for the past six years. Um, so unless there's anything else, I think what we're going to do is before we get to um, the next scene, I'd like to do real quick, uh, d during this whole time, during this, this whole setup, this whole conversation, during the turbo lift, during everything that's been happening, um, McCrell has approached the, the quarters of Dr. Wellix. And um, a few moments passes, you've pressed the button to his door and it opens up and you see Dr. Wellix standing in the doorway. He looks at, looks at you kind of curiously and waits for you to say something. Uh, Dr. Wellix, I have two very important things to say to you. Um, Do you want to come in? Sure, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Uh, I'll have you know that before this, I ran to my herb garden and ripped tea plants apart and okay. made, made like a real, real potent cup of tea. Okay. <laughs> um, all right. So I have that with me as well. His room is completely sparse. It looks like it does the, it, it, it looks like this this has been assigned to him as personal quarters. He has not personalized it at all. There's nothing on the wall. This looks like a guest quarter still as you walk in. Um, he moves over and sits down on the sofa, leans back, and just looks at you expectantly. Dr. Wellix, what I am about to tell you will not be an easy thing to accept. I know on this ship you tend to think of yourself as the most dangerous enemy we have on the USS Ross. I'm not sure I understand. Are you... Are you saying that I think that I'm the most dangerous man on this ship? No. I'm just saying you can probably consider yourself the USS Ross's most, um... Useless crew member? Admiral enemy on the ship. I would have gone with useless. No. Dr. Wellix, we have been given a mission by Starfleet. 
and we are going to need your cooperation to stay as sparse as possible, to not stir the pot, as they say. I have no intention of jeopardizing my place on board this ship while you search for a cure for my life, Doctor. And speaking of this cure, I am going to need your consent to try something a little radical. I had a feeling we'd find ourselves here at some point. Yes. How radical are we talking? I need to run it by the captain first, but I have an idea. Not too long ago, we made a stop for a distress signal with a Borg colony. Chief Tech has a lot of records while he repaired their regenerators. I want to see if I can somehow combine that technology with our dermal regenerators and see if we can use some nanites and... You want to pump me full of Borg nanites to repair my brain? Yes. But not quite. I want to utilize the technology to maybe like an adaptable neural transceiver something that they would use to help regenerate yet adapt it for you for it will not be easy and i don't i can't guarantee it'll work but if it does it will not only help stop the degenerative parts of your brain, but it could help repair some. It's an interesting proposition. And I am aware that Starfleet uncovered some extraordinary medical advances upon Voyager's return from the Delta Quadrant. Yes. I would be very interested to hear how your captain receives this proposition. And I'm going to withhold my answer until I hear what they have to say about it. Understood. But it's not a I, no, Doctor. Thank you. Um, I will not obviously uh, continue treatment in that direction until I get a yes. Um, now that we got that out of the way. <laughs> I have to let you know of a certain situation that regards this current mission. Are we headed into Romulan territory? Not quite. I wish it was that simple. <laughs> we... Dr. Wellex, were you at all a part of the Dominion War? I... honestly can't answer that. I don't remember. All right. Well. Many I guess, yes, I'm sure I was. Many on the ship were a part of it. None of us are happy about this current situation, so please don't think that we are doing this out of the kindness of our hearts. <laughs> That's unusually unstarfleet of you. What is it exactly you're doing? We are currently assisting a Vorta and two Jim Hadar in their search for a founder. 
Well, good luck with that. This does not upset you in any way. Why should it upset me? All right, then. That was easier than I thought. I thought I was going to make another cup of tea later. Dr. Wells. I admire the Dominion. I hate them, but I admire them. You admire them. How, how can you not admire their efficiency? They are the most deadly opponent we've ever faced. Yes, they are. Dr. Relics, what we have on board. As a doctor, I took an oath to care for all. But what we are currently assisting, I see as monsters. I saw what they did. I saw them kill purely innocent people with no trepidation. That sounds like the Dominion, yes. I'm just going to ask you to stay as hidden as possible, even as you are. If they discover what you are, it could put a whole new difficult situation on your safety. Doctor, he slowly rises from the sofa and looks at you, takes a few steps forward and gazes at you very intently and just says, are you certain I'm the one that needs to be hiding from these Vorta? No. Are you here to counsel me or look for counsel, doctor? I'm here, Dr. Wellix, to get your consent for treatment and to notify you of our current mission. Thank you. You're welcome. But know this, Dr. Wellix. If tension on this ship starts to rise with our current guests, you do not want to be in the crossfire. I'm smart enough to know not to be in the crossfire. Good. I will notify you on the cap- uh, what the captain's decision would be on my... I guess I could call it experiment. We'll see if it works. I have high hopes for it with the science team that we have on board and minds like Chief Tech, we might actually be able to repair some of that brain tissue of yours, get some of your memories back. He is uncharacteristically quiet, just stares at you. I just sip my tea quietly and just continue to stare up at him. <laughs> How much longer are you going to continue this facade? What facade, Dr. Willix? The smile, the calm voice. I've been in the room with predators before, Doctor. I know when I'm talking to one. How are you going to hold it back when you encounter these monsters of yours? You're telling me to stay out of the crossfire. 
Doctor, are you going to be doing the shooting? Every instinct in my body would would say that you might be. Dr. Wellex, I spent years serving as a healer during the Dominion War. What did that get you, exactly? How many people did you watch die? Too many. Too many? Too many that I couldn't save. And now the monsters are here, Doctor. Yes. What are you going to do about it? What my captain tells me to do. Do you believe that? Yes, I do. Do you really? Again, I will let you know about the captain's decision. And Dr. Wellux, do not make an enemy of me. I am on your side. You see this grin come across his face and he says, Doctor, I might be the only real friend you have on this ship. No. But I am fortunate to speak freely with you. Yes. If I must. Good luck, Doctor. Thank you. And Dr. Wallux. Yes. One as, as I leave, I turn. <laughs> we all have monsters inside. How we tame them is what makes us different from the true monsters that show their face. Bye. <laughs> Not he like- doesn't say anything. I just closed. You just see his the look on his face as the doors close behind. Mm. Um, cut to the bridge of the USS Ross as the command staff is taking positions at stations. Um, everyone is assembling. Vren slides into the helm. Prawl resuming his place at tactical. Um, you guys here uh, coming through on communications. Uh, Vren just says, Captain, we're being hailed by Starbase 105. Thank you, Mr. Vren. Put them through. And you hear a chirping sound as it comes up and you see Admiral Mestis appear on the screen. Admiral, so good to see yeah. you. What can we help? Captain, I hear you're about to get underway. That's the intent, sir. Yes. I'll be following as closely as I possibly can and I'm going to keep asking questions as quietly as I can. I don't envy you and your crew for this mission, Captain, but you do have a friend in me, and I know that you can have a friend in Admiral April Heber back at Narendra Station. This is not going to lay quietly, I assure you. I'll cast quick eyes to my crew, uh, because I have not thrown the Admiralty under the bus yet. Yeah, Whoops. this Admiral, you can <laughs> you see the star, this Saurian... You can see, I mean, Exio doesn't have to make a roll. You can see from the facial movements and the in- inflection in his voice, he's furious. Mm-hmm. Um, he says, Starfleet has told me that you are authorized to travel past Warp 7 for this mission. I have a feeling that those who have authorized this particular mission want it done as quickly as possible and as quietly as possible. You are to rendezvous back here once you have acquired the Changeling, where it will be 
beamed aboard the decora class cruiser will once again rendezvous for starbase 105 and i'm going to personally see to it that that ship is escorted back to the, the gamma quadrant i am unspeakably relieved to hear admiral thank you we'll keep good luck track. captain thank you sir and good luck to you as well 105 out you see the starfleet logo appear on the screen and then a moment later it shrinks down to a small box and is like slid off to the side where you see tactical information and then the overlay vanishes and now all you see is the view screen of starbase 105 and a few civilian ships coming and going and Vryn just says captain we've been cleared all right clear all moorings and uh you heard the good admiral you get to stretch themselves a little bit Aye, Captain. Clearing all moorings. Maneuvering thrusters. Ahead one quarter impulse. And you see, you can hear the telltale signs of the ship begin to remove itself from dock. And you hear the the, the whistle coming on over the overhead, letting the crew know that you have all disembarked from the station. Um, the USS Ross, scale six, galaxy class variant, pulling away from the starship elegantly just swaying to the right as she banks and begins to plot her course. Vryn lays in the coordinates and says, on your command, Captain. And the USS Ross jumps to warp. Estimated time to arrival. Have us there at 12 hours, 15 minutes at warp 9, Captain. That doesn't give us much time, then. A lot of work to do between now and then. Captain, you hear Lieutenant Prawl say just over your head at this at the tactical station and says, May I have a word with you in your ready room? Please, yes. Commander, you have the bridge. Nods to his relief. Um Exio slides into the captain's seat as he follows you down the ramp and into your ready room. The door closes behind you. And Prawl waits for the door to close. And when it does, he just says, uh, I wasn't sure if I was going to bring this up to you, Captain, but I've been having a an instinct. Before we left Starbase 105, I thought I saw something on sensors again. Hmm. I was running a standard sensor sweep and I saw for a brief second. Do you remember the back when we were at Jatterin? The sensor ghost as we were coming in not too far from the comet, yes. I it was too quick and I can't verify it. I checked the computer records and I did spot for 0.5 seconds. The sensors detected what looked like a warp shadow. And then it was gone. I wouldn't have thought anything of it. There's so much activity with civilians coming and going in the sector, I wouldn't have noticed it. But the thing is, is, and it, it's possible that it was nothing, Captain, but Trust there's been no to. new activity since Jatterin, and I've been constantly looking back over our shoulder. I just wanted to bring it up to you again, in case it's a thing. 
good. I'd like you to coordinate with Lieutenant Lecat. Now that we have two instances, we can further refine algorithms. The more data we can collect on this, the more information we can get from whew, full 0.5 seconds. Either someone's trying to see how closely we're paying attention, or they are slipping. Either way, let's take advantage of it. Trust that gut. It has he served knows. you well for a long time, and it has served me well. Let's see what we can find out. That'll be all. Thank you. Yes, Captain. He pivots and walks out of the room. You were alone in your ready room for a moment. going to take some notes on that. I'm going to pull up some research. Sol has some homework they want to do later. Okay. Um, Alright. That's all they have for the moment. Uh, before they get back to work. <laughs> They're probably going to make some calls at some point. But um, it takes about an hour and a half or so before you hear uh, coming through security. Um, uh, one sec. False things to come through coming, coming through security, um, you, you get a request. Basically, it's about two hours into the journey when Prawl uh, messages, or uh, he basically uh, sends a message to the captain's chair that he needs a moment of your time when you have a second. It's not an emergency. Um, but he's once again asking for discretion. Um, when you motion down, he walks down the ramp and he moves close to both Exio and the captain and just says, Captain, I have been receiving requests from our guests. They wish to leave their quarters. Do they have any particular intent as to location? I believe the Vorda would like to see 10 forward. Captain, would you like me to escort them? Mm. Uh, so knowing uh, that I'm just a few feet away from quite a busybody, who nonetheless does have her back turned, uh, how tight would you say her shoulder blades are at the moment? Oh, Olin can feel how tight they are. On well, a scale good, but I'm not going to ask Olin right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Mm. All of a sudden, Jane's like, I need a drink. <laughs> <laughs> right. See, that. That is why this doesn't get to happen. This is why we cannot have nice things. So here's the thing. We're at warp. Mm -hmm. And uh, because it is a long journey at warp with no planned stops, Senior staff does not have to remain on the bridge. They can take temporary breaks as they do in Star Trek episodes. Yep. So um, yep, they can go have drinks. Yeah. And and do things. Hmm. A fifteen, you say. I think we can arrange for our good bartender to deliver bottle service on the promenade. Discreet and not quite a 
bar full of my crew. A compromise to be sure. Perhaps they would like your company, at least ambassador, if you would be willing to, um, what did you call it again? Tanking. Uh-huh. And yes. <laughs> I uh, imagine that seeing one of the command staff and specifically myself with them might help put people at ease. Indeed. Um, Ambassador Olin, do not hesitate to ask for my assistance should you need it. Of course. I tend to be a non-emotional, as it were. <laughs> yes, I do apologize again for losing my cool in the transporter room, but I assure you, I have all of my faculties about me now, and I think I'm ready. That was not a slight at you. Apologize for my tone. It was more of a um, a place to put your energy without a battery running back to you. Yes, of course. I... Yes, of course. Thank you, Exio. Commander Exio. You've got this. You did very well in the meeting. I had the very best help. Looks at Captain. Understands. Looks at Exio. <laughs> very hard. <laughs> okay. Commander, perhaps then you would like to offer your company as well the more he's distracted, the more we can actually get done. I would actually love it if you would accompany me. I will do just that, then, Captain. Besides, the two of you can read him better than anyone else on this ship. One of you is wonderful, both of you. Like I said, we can really get some things done. We'll leave you to your work, Captain. All right, so Exio and... Olin leave the bridge, headed over to the turbo lift. I'm assuming that Exio is walking the walk. This I'm time. walking. It seems yeah. rude to blip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So you enter the turbo lift. The doors close, and um, Vryn does kind of cast a glance over at the empty science station because right now the cat is actually not on the bridge. <laughs> um, if you were getting a drink, is that correct? Were they previously? Well, uh, it's no, really... I, I, I was on the bridge, but basically I was just waiting to see if, um, whatchamacallit, if if the Vorta was going to be a 10 forward, I was going to be a 10 forward. But if the Vorta is not a 10 forward, I'm going to chill out here. Okay. Um, in fact, if uh, it, has Paul told me about these sensors yet? And yes, about, Paul's like... approached you. Um, okay, great. We can actually have that scene right now. Um, Paul will come to your quarters. Awesome. Um to, so oh, you'll come to my quarters, so this is not happening when I'm on the bridge then. Yeah, so we could just do this off the bridge. Great, perfect, okay. So. Um, sure. Uh, ding dong. So there's a chirping sound at the door. When you've answered it, you do see Lieutenant Commander Prawl standing there and kind of glancing about and says, you have a minute? <sighs> yes, uh, it's not like I'm doing anything other here than other than staring at my wall, so yeah, that's what, what is up, Commander Prong? May I come in? Mm. Uh, she like hesitates for a moment, um, and you see like 
clear like discomfort and like inviting other people in her space but she's like all right um and then she steps aside and we can do this in a meeting room if you want i would prefer that actually and she steps right outside immediately let's go um he leads you uh, down the corridor. You pass a few of the ox crew, um, a few of them standing at attention when they see their superior officer of a security officer walking by. A few of the scientists also nodding to you. Um, he takes you back to towards the end of the corridor on the deck and steps into what one, used to be a modular laboratory. It's actually in the process of being re- renovated. New equipment is being brought in. You see an instant look up from behind one of the desks and he just says, instant, I need the room. And the instant just goes, uh, uh, yes, sir. Gets up. Guy moves right past the both of you, slides out through the door, shh, door closes. Um, Prawl moves over to the desk and he leans against it and he goes, first of all, how are you doing? You doing all right? Why did you want to see me? She skates over that question immediately. Um, I would rather we get to business before I dwell on my feelings for too long. Commander Prawl, okay. I'm sure you understand that. So we've been picking up what looks like images of what could be a warp shadow. We first detect them at Jadaran, do you remember? Yes, I think so. Um, am I near any sort of panel where I can like pull up this information? There actually is a wall panel in here, yes. Great. Um, because I want to try and like find it as he's talking about it. You move over to the wall panel, entering your access code. Um, you're given access to the sensor readouts of that particular star date. Bringing it up, you just see the sensors log. You see a good few seconds where the USS Ross was detecting what looked like uh, sort of like a shadow of a warp signature. It was very brief, and then it mm-hmm. disappeared. Um, it was enough to alert Prawl because it was a very high, it was a very intense situation uh, with Tholians bearing down on you guys yeah. and the subspace weapons. Um, he glances over at the wall and he reaches over and right next to you, he taps into his command codes. You see him bringing up sensor information detected at the tactical station and you see another warp shadow. Um, this one's only 0.5 seconds, but he's like, it's too small to actually verify that it's the same thing. And this, I might be jumping at shadows here to be, not to put too fine a point I mean, on it. Did you say one's an incident, two's a coincidence and three is a pattern, but I trust your gut. It's um, not It's not that we've detected the second one. It's that the first one happened and it never got resolved. And now I'm seeing another one. That's what's getting me huh. a little riled up. Yeah. So I, um, So basically, like, Jane, is, is there any way, like, Jane can, like, compare both of these, like, uh, mm-hmm. these pieces of data and yeah. see how similar they are, first of all? I would say... And then also, like, look for the differences. Make a reason, I would say make a reason science check if you're going to compare these. Great. And then the um, Ross can roll computers and what would the Ross roll? I would I would say, well, yeah, I would say computer science. You're cross-referencing, uh, you're cross-referencing uh, sensor information. So um, Prawl's going to assist on tactical Prawl's going to assist on, um, hmm, what should Prawl assist? Prawl's going to assist on sensors uh, security. Cool. Uh, difficulty of this is going to be four. Great. Um, do we have any momentum to burn? Can I burn one on? Um... You should have four, right? Hell yeah. Three? I'd like three. To take three momentum. Yeah. Another D20. Great. Okay. And we're rolling. Okay, okay. Prawl got one success. Okay. One success from Ross. 
That's two. Did you get a success? Um, I got, I got, I got three successes. Okay. Yeah. So as you start comparing the data, um, looking at the sensor information that is, it's coming in, it does seem oddly similar. Okay. It has the same warp signature, which would be highly unusual for something that it was just a ghost. Mm-hmm. Depending on the types of engines that are being used, usually ships have a very specific warp signature, and they're almost impossible to differentiate unless you have consistent readings. But it is un- there's enough information here to suggest that it might be the same ship, if it is a ship. Okay. Um, so I want to figure out if it is a ship or not. Okay. Um, that's going to be my first. Um, can I... Is there like any sort of like database where I I basically want to look at like past findings like mm-hmm. from like previous examples and like see if I can like look at those and compare it to what I'm looking at right now yeah and to see if if like see if this matches up with any ship that I would know of you basically say that to the computer computer take this information right. and cross it with any known warp signatures that Starfleet's ever recorded in its history Beautiful. um the computer comes back and says there are over 6,392 possible warp signatures that align with this. Only? Yeah, Prawl just says, which means we're probably going to need another reading. Yeah. I mean, we were able to find that class M planet for a little friend Crystal. Um, but I'm not well, lying. This is probably going to take some time. Um, LeCat, can I ask you a question? Do you think this is a ship? Do you think we're being traced? We're being traced by something with a warp signature. Absolutely. So do I. Why would they be following us? Why do you think? I mean, we have several reasons to be followed, but if we can narrow down that existed before the Tholian. So at first. I would say, obviously, the Vorta, but because this happened before, you know, he ever came on board, I... My gut goes straight to Dr. Wellix, quite honestly. That's my gut, too. Great. Um, There's not enough information to make a case for this, but here's the other thing that kind of bothers me about this. If it is somebody coming from Dr. Wellix, it would likely be Romulan. If it's Romulan, it's very unlikely we would be detecting anything as Romulan's cloaking devices are near perfect. I mean, nothing's perfect. Um, I, it is my understanding that Dr. Wellix has been rather agreeable as of late. He seems to be willing to help. More or less, I mean... I haven't spoken to him, have you? No, but the fact that, you know, we haven't had a major security breach concerning him recently is actually, in my opinion, a really good sign. I will take that as a good sign. Yeah. Um, I think it might be worth taking this to both Chief Tech and McCrell to see and to see if we can get text reading on it as well as getting see if McCrell thinks that Dr. Wellix is in a place 
to have this sort of conversation. All right. Cool. Um, and then another thing I would like to do as well is, is there a way that I can basically take all this data and put it into a sensor so that if something similar should pop up, um, it basically sets off an alarm for me um, because I don't want to have Prawl just like, and I don't want to be a situation where it's like, well, I hope Prawl's looking at the screen at the right time. And so he catches it this time. So you want you basically want to bake you you basically want to bake something into the system so it'll alert you if you if if Prawl is seeing the same thing that okay yeah exactly um, can I do that yeah great yeah um, do I need to roll for that um, no that's literally just telling the computer like listen the next time you see a computer signature like this I want to be alerted to it Prawl will even tell you that like yes I'll send you the information immediately yeah but the and computer I think that, like, essentially the uh, computer is now going to be on the lookout for it. Perfect. And I think too. that I would also like to, um, when I give that command, I'd also like to uh, consider outliers, like potential outliers. Um, okay. So it's not necessarily 100% perfect, even if it's like, let's say like a 90% per like percentage range, like I still want to know about it. Do you want to have a meeting with Wellix? He says. I mean, yes, but I would like to do through do so through the proper channels and to get as much input from other people as possible because I am shooting in the dark a little here when it comes to Dr. Wellick. So he's not, I have not spent that much time with him. Yeah, if I can be honest with you, Lacat. I mean, I hope you've always been honest with me. Sometimes I haven't been. Sometimes I'm not allowed to be. But I think, I mean, have you openly lied to me? Because sure. I think that last, what? Yes. As chief of security, there are some things that I have to be authorized to tell people. Yeah, but and I assumed you usually just said, I can't tell you that as opposed to lying to me. Typically, I do tell you that, LaCat, but the truth of the matter is, is you're smart as hell and you can figure it out by lies of omission. So I mislead you sometimes, otherwise I'm giving it away. Which is exactly why I want to get you in a room with Wellix. Commander Paul. This is going to sound like a weird conspiracy theory, but I've been spending a lot of the last few nights awake, and so I've had a lot of time to think about a million things. Okay. Do we think that command that Dr. Wellex is a changeling? Like, on a scale of 1 to 10. <laughs> he smirks and he said, you know. <laughs> and then she laughs. Um, he he glances like, at you when you start laughing, and he's like, I don't think it's funny. <laughs> Honestly, I think, like that, I think that's a good funny. instinct to have. Whenever I think that, okay, I've thought everyone on this, I think that everyone on the ship is a chain selling at least once. Anyway. <laughs> so uh, when I served in the Dominion War, I was one of the front line and I was part of the force that helped us recapture Beta Z. I served mostly as a sniper. Really? And I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, there's not a single person in my unit that wasn't paranoid as hell that the other person next to them was a changeling. And that kind of psychological warfare, the Dominion used against us quite well at first. But here's the problem with it, LaCat. Sometimes there was a changeling. And they knew exactly how to get you questioning that stuff. So... It took a while for us to learn how to trust each other again. 
I'm not saying you shouldn't think this way, but don't dismiss it out of hand. Wilder things have happened. Now, I already know that tech is developing a test. There's no reason in the world why we couldn't just look at Wellix's medical records and cross-reference and make sure, because it's important to remember that reconstructive surgery was done to this person. Yeah. So we have a lot of evidence that would suggest he's not a changeling. I agree. I agree. I just trust no one. But that's the Cardassian in me. We're so suspicious by nature. That's my point, is don't lose that. <laughs> my point is, is that don't lose it. But sometimes feels like it would be nice to um yeah it would certainly help me sleep better at night um you were a sniper you were wasted you took two chemidars out with your hands you were a sniper i don't believe that is this one are you lying to me is this one of those situations where you're lying to my face he just shrugs with a smile okay Okay. There's no official designation for snipers in Starfleet. It's just what they called me because I was good at shooting. Huh. How are you doing in all of this? In all she of this? Asked, repeating the question that he asked her at the top of the question, at the top of this conversation. He just says, I'm fine. I am 100% confident in my ability to put a blaster, a phaser bolt through the face of a Dominion Jim Hadar if they fuck with my ship. Or, you know, take them out with their hands, which apparently you've done, unless that was a lie. No, that wasn't a lie. But three-fourths of my rib cage is artificial because of that fight, and I don't care to do it again. Huh. Huh. Well. Lakat, I'll tell you one thing about Jim Hadar. If you can, do not ever get into a a melee fight with them. Shoot them. God damn it! People need to stop telling me not to do things. Don't do that, LaCat. I feel like I have to now. <laughs> Go to the holodeck and do it on the holodeck. Okay, well, see, like... We're getting off track here. I need anyway, your help like, tracking this to, We should go talk to Dr. Wellick because it's actually pretty important. Is or is has the sensors been set up? They've Let me make up. sure the captain is okay with this. But yes, I'd like to talk to Dr. Wellick. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna let the captain know that you and I have some suspicions about what the possible culprit here is, and at the very least, if Wellick's brain is still functioning at any kind of capacity that could help us, then maybe he'll be able to give us some insight as to whether or not this is a Romulan ship. That is, considering if he's willing to betray his own people. He may not be. He's still a Romulan. I don't care how many spots he puts on his face. And you hear the Trill say that with disgust in his voice. Like, it, it is a quick snapshot into feelings that Prawl has been burying since Wellix took that face. Um, I think that Jane takes that and does not comment on it. She doesn't want to call it out because okay. I think that's it's almost like when someone shows themselves, like, believe them, you know? And mm-hmm. I think that she takes that piece of information and files it away. Okay. So Prawl stands up and excuses himself, and he's like, uh, as, as he's leaving, he pauses at the door and he just says, I'm not going to do any final words because you already know that there's not a single person on this ship that wouldn't do anything for you, LeCat. 
Just don't forget that. And then he steps out, and the door closes behind him. Man. Um, I think, yeah, she was, like, genuinely, like, stunned by that. Um, so I don't think she's, she, I don't think she had any words for that. Um, she's going to turn back to the sensors and, like, focus. Yeah, um, you're in this room that's half-built. It's one of the yeah. modular laboratories that the captain's ordered to be restructured into a sensor uh, suite, essentially. Um, yeah. So you continue going to work. We're going to do a quick cut um, over to the promenade where... Or is it 10 forward? Oh, is it 10 forward? Are you guys going to 10 yeah. forward? Okay. No, the promenade? No, okay. it's the promenade, I thought. Oh. Yeah, Captain, oh, said, Captain uh, did not approve the request for 10 forward, but said that... Yeah, it was promenade. The bottle sold right. the promenade. Sorry, I did miss that. There we go. So Solon is actually on the promenade now. Um, and pouring... What are they wearing? What's that? What are they wearing? <laughs> <laughs> Solon is wearing what looks like a deep green silk um, top. It's kind of billowy. Um, has a long V-neck that goes down to the center of their, yes, rather muscular chest. Um, and the leggings that they're wearing again looks very much like sort of a hakama it has this sort of pleated long skirt like look to it that flows down to about their ankles um and they're wearing what looks like very simple shoes if you didn't know any better you would say someone is dressing very comfortably today um their hair however oh, what is not... a weak queer how can What's you that? me <laughs> um their hair, however, is not pulled back. Instead, the majesty of their rich, dark brown hair is actually pouring down their back and across their face with little peaks of their el their, uh, their, their uh, Vulcan ears peeking out from the sides. Um, he, <laughs> Solon is base Solon basically looks like an anime character today and is pouring the... <laughs> yeah, I knew you'd like that, Xander. Um, Kind of like uh, just pouring these these glasses of this deep blue liquid into these uh, into this mug of the um, of the Vorda. Um, Tech, at this point, you've actually. Why don't we say for funsies, Tech is on the promenade deck, decompressing after spending hours and hours. Uh, basically replicating these devices to help detect changelings for multiple away teams if needed. Um, Actually, if you don't mind, I'd like to go into a little bit of that because yeah. um, tech is going through some stuff. Oh, okay. So, Actually, um, while some of the other things were happening, uh, he is still on his on holodeck four and actually puts out a call to Dr. McCrell. Uh, Chief Tech to Dr. McCrell, can you meet me on holodeck four, please? Yes, Tech. Actually, I would like a word with you as well. And as uh, Dr. McCrell comes into the holodeck, Tech would like to attack her. By you, surprise. To you, you want to attack McCrell as she comes mm -hmm. into the holodeck? Yes. Oh, this will be fun. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so, McCrell. What? Um, you arrive at the holodeck. <laughs> Um, if I spill my tea, I'm going to be very upset. Okay. <laughs> so, McCurl, stepping into the holodeck, this is, you've gone to deck 11, so you walked onto holodeck 1. The door is open. Um, what, first of all, before anything else happens, what does McCurl see when the, when, when the door opens to the holodeck? What's the environment? Is it just the yellow grid? Oh, uh, no. It is uh, what you know to be Tech's Your lab. Your workstation? But, 
my workstation, but it's disheveled. It's in okay. a wreck. Okay. Um, the door closes behind you, and as the arch disappears from behind the arch, there is a large blue blur headed towards you. And I'm even like a loud. Gah! I'm gonna give you initiative, Xander, because this is totally an ambush. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but this is melee combat, so I need you both to make. <laughs> Here we go. This yeah. might be the first time we've done PvP. <laughs> <laughs> so I need. Bring it on. <laughs> I need a. Uh, this is a daring security check from both of you. Okay. Difficulty one. <laughs> okay. Um. I'm not going to spend any momentum. Okay, sure. You know what? I'm going to take one too. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not. You, but not you can take it. I won't. I won't. No, it's fine. I'll, I'll make it an even fight. Sort of. <laughs> okay. Yeah, right. So difficulty one, daring security. Mm -hmm. Um. Tell me what you get. Make your roll. And then tell me how many successes the. the I. You know. I, I thought the Doctor Wellick's conversation was a surprise. This one ambushed the GM. And uh, <laughs> also, can I? I have a focus in martial arts. Would I be? Able to... uh, that would absolutely come into play. Yes. Great. Yeah. <clears throat> well, Tech got one success. So. Okay. I have three. And... Okay. So, um, in that case, Tech throws himself at you, screaming. You immediately counter it. So now. Yeah. McCrell, so what happened? So McCrell what actually gets to hit Tech now. Right, so just to give you some uh, visual on it, he, his attack has been from behind, and he's got the cylinder in his hand that he seems to be sort of like, his intention was to attack you with that, but is totally failing. Uh, okay. I guess, because what, what, what would probably happen, especially if you're coming from behind, mm -hmm. I, um, because of, I have a talent and quick reflexes, and mm -hmm. obviously, like dexterity and hearing, I'm probably going to hear you. Yeah. Um, and they shouted. <laughs> that too. Uh, ow. ow. Uh, what, what I'll do, I don't want to hit you. I'm going to um, uh, dodge your attack and um, grab grab your arm. I'm, I'm a, you're a lot taller than me, so mm -hmm. like forearm, and sweep my leg underneath, kind of knee-knocking you. Yeah. Where using your own momentum to where you'll just... <laughs> fall flat on your back. Wouldn't and it be nice if that's what you did, though? Oh. What, what? happened? Oh, is wouldn't there a threat? Be, wouldn't it be nice if that's what you did? Because I'm, I'm going to drop threat. Oh, no. What and McCrell, this whole time, you have been a simmering pot of emotion. All right. And there has just, all you have needed is one spark to set off what's going on underneath. As far as you're concerned, Chief Tech is a Jim Hadar soldier that is trying to kill you right now, that has jumped out of hiding and is trying to kill you. So instead of doing this delicate balance of not harming Chief Tech, I'm going to need you to roll. What is your security? A five. Okay. You have you have a security rating that's equal to Lieutenant Commander Prawl. Yes. And unarmed, so I need you to roll. Actually, I'm gonna. And you have you have claws, correct? Yes. I'm gonna roll this for you. At least there's a doctor on site. Yeah. So, no joke. 
I rolled a one and four sixes. Oh no. Oh, so that's going to be, that's going to be nine points of damage. I only I have like using a momentum to re-roll damage. I'm fine. I, I tell you what, I will give you that, Bonnie. If you want to spend momentum, I'll re-roll. Can I use a value to take away this complication? No. Story? What? You can spend <laughs> momentum to remove to this complication. Remove complication. We only Correct. we have two left. Yes. Is that enough to stop me from... Remo- that is enough to remove a complication. Yes. Um, so, so that means you have a momentum spins. Uh, create, Wait, Because no. um, my unarmed strike is two damage. Um, it's two damage, yes. Right. Two damage okay. plus your security. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. That's why I'm rolling seven dice right now. Oh. McCrell hits like goddamn Apollo Creed. And... <laughs> Um, and I you, spilled my tea. If you want to, if you want to get rid of this, then you can burn two momentum to remove this. So I will are you adapting reroll or? No, I would just basically say, basically what I would do is I would call this a near miss. If you burn that two momentum, then okay. I'll then per the rules, I'll let you be able to skirt away from this uh, this we'll, complication that I'm pulling on you. We'll compromise. Yeah. I'll use. I'll definitely do the two momentum because I feel like that will almost kill him. Okay, so then what happens? Okay. Tech, there's a split second where when McCrell grabs you right out of the air and you look into her face, you think she's going to kill you. Her teeth, the feral nature of her Cation side, it's there's something there's something else here. There's a side of her you haven't seen. It emerges immediately. The flash in her eyes and the way her mouth gapes open for a split second, like she's welcoming you as you throw yourself at her. And at the last second, her claws go right back in. They torn right through her, like her fur, like they're about to slash at you. And instead, she guides you into the wall and slams you up against the bulkhead where you collapse to the ground. McCrell, it takes you a split second to stop seeing red when you realize that it's Chief Tech that's on the ground right now. Your heart rate has jumped dramatically. There was a split second there, McCrell, where you wanted to kill him. So as Tech comes back into focus, this is the first time that you've really gotten to take a look at him and the the red fades away to the blue, but he is covered in, in dirt and grime and he has a bandolier of these metal cylinders and you can see that there's just there's something under his eyes where there was a, an intent to kill behind yours. There is an ins- insane amount of paranoia and brokenness behind his. And he's holding out this cylinder and he's just saying, it's happening again, Doc. I need you to prove that you're you. All right, I understand. Uh, give me the test. And I'll administer it. Okay. It takes five seconds. Like even even so, even more dramatically so, if you don't even trust that, I'll extend a claw and cut myself. <laughs> um, that's, that might be more dramatic. <laughs> well, it takes about five seconds. The, the test is... And yeah. the claw cut and the test comes back negative. I don't... Hey. Hey. It's all right. It's all happening again. It's all happening again. And he just breaks down. 
I'm going to I'm going to go close to him, but I'm also going to um know that I'm and also in a vulnerable state. So keep somewhat of a distance, but extend my hand gently on his shoulder. Chief, I know this is going to be hard. You take deep breaths. This is this is not the war. You are on the USS Ross. You have a crew that supports one another. No one is going to get hurt. Okay. 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 There is no changeling on this ship. And if we have to, we will administer the test to each and every crew member in order to verify. All right? Okay. I'll help you make more. It'll be an easy test. We can even do scans of each room. And it seems as though he's he's totally calmed down and this has reassured him. Yes. Yeah. We can do this. Yes, we can. And I'm going to need you during this whole mission for not just this, but to help Dr. Wellex. We have we have many battles to win. And none or a fight. Ow. I know, I'm sorry. I'll we'll go to sick. Bay. <laughs> uh. we'll head to sick bay. And okay. I want to say that was actually very impressive. It doesn't take a it I am not easily surprised. You definitely surprised me. To tell you the truth, Doc, I kinda surprised myself there. Yeah. You're not alone on that one. Yes, tell me about it. <laughs> um, yeah, off in the distance, Q is going, damn. Jeez. <laughs> um, I'm going to escort him to sick bay. Okay. Conversations are happening down in the... Uh, on the promenade right now. Um, the Vorta is in rare form being very gracious and generous. Seems to be in very good mood that the mission is being conducted as normal. The Jim Hadar are being, of course, stoic as hell and very quiet. <laughs> um, and um, as this is progressing, we're just going to say that over the course of the next 12 hours of this mission, it's kind of the same song and dance. Every four, every like 45 minutes, the Vorta has a request to see more of the ship and specifically requests the presence of Olin. Um, and will occasionally ask for tours of places that that Vorta is not allowed to go. Um, he is being very punchable, for lack of a better way of saying it. Incredibly gracious, very kind, very inquisitive, very enthusiastic. Very, very, very much the diplomat representing a government responsible for shameless mass genocide. Um, this continues 
for the duration of most of the trip and of course until it is time to actually call it quits for the night and when the most of the crew um retires through the course of the night things are very quiet um you do get a request when you return to your quarters captain that prawl um prawl has appeared in front of your uh your personal quarters and once again in kind of a hushed tone says to you captain Captain, I've been talking a little bit with Lacat, and she and I are forming a bit of a theory. It doesn't have any ground just yet. There's just not enough data, but we think that this might somehow be linked to Dr. Wellix. I'd like to talk to Exio. I, I understand that Exio cannot divulge patient confidentiality, but if I can get Exio's permission, I would like to approach Dr. Wellix and have a sit-down conversation with him, with Lacat present. We think this warp shadow might be related to him somehow. This came up once before, the last time in the Jadaran system, and it was pointed out that Romulan cloaking devices are near flawless, and furthermore, that if any Romulans thought that Wellix were on this ship, they would try to make their smash and grab right now. What is your theory then on why we've spotted them at all? It's just a gut feeling, the timing of all of this. It's really suspicious. Who else would be following us and why? And this has been going on since before our happy guests beamed on board. There's really no other reason to be tailing the Ross that I can think of. Saul looks over to the spot in the room where they saw Q appear at one time. The words of Q are echoing in your head. Q was so delighted about your journey out to the Shackleton Expanse certain that you were going to be making waves across the galaxy as you made your way out here. Certain that you were following the same path of destiny as another starship in some other universe, perhaps. I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> but it reminds me that there are a lot of things going on with our ship that we don't yet understand. It might be Wellix. But there are big pieces of that puzzle missing. I don't mind. Thank you, Captain. Thank you. I'll keep you appraised of all the developments. And I'll wait until we're done with our mission before I approach. So that way we can focus on what the task is at hand. One heroic undertaking at a time, Commander Prawl. Good night, Captain. Commander Exio to Captain. This is the <laughs> Captain. What can I do for you? Do you mind if I have a quick word? Sure, I'm in my quarters. Blip. <laughs> Blipping in is Commander Exio. And uh, Sol opens the door to uh, invite her in. Okay. 
He's pushing. He's pushing and excluding. Why is he pushing? That I'm not sure. But I, all day, we have been hosting and I've been getting less and less actual information. However, I just wanted to ask. I haven't been able to get it out of my mind since this morning. Your mentor. Did he endanger our crew as a gift to you? Is the Orion Syndicate a gift? He would... Why wouldn't he tell me if it were? Is it your birthday? You have that on file. You know it's not. I know. I'm just frustrated. I can't figure out why. It seems to be for your benefit, at the risk of everyone else. There's something there. He was the one who helped me make a lateral move, get away from it. And yet every mission since our embarkment has been about emerging you back in that world. Specifically orders from him. Did... I have to ask. Do you think... I know you trust... My only encounter with him thus far has been him lying. But I have to ask. Would he have let you believe you retired in order to get you to say yes? He knows that I would not refuse him something he asked. He wouldn't play games with me unless it was not me he distrusted. However secure we thought our communications were, we know that Starfleet was infiltrated by Tal Shiar and said, well, you don't need to worry about that. Uh, He might have internal concerns to keep from me. I don't have to like him, but I will obey orders. Huh. Don't worry, I don't like him very much right now, either. Glad to hear it. He threatened my pip. I'm such a cute pip. Looks much better than the last one. It's sh- <sighs> I- It is a risk to put an operative back in after you pull them out of the field. I am the last person you'd put into this mission unless you absolutely had to. I'm distinctive, and evidently I've been burned. We know that from the Gorn we picked up. Uh, the Azari cell cover. I'm burned. And yet probably the most well-equipped for this kind of mission. And if you were worried about the internal security of Starfleet, you would put this very delicate mission with 
someone you knew would question everything? Exactly. Yes. Well, I will keep tending to my host duties. And I'll see if I can find out anything from the... Gosh, who was it we left on the Orion desk when I moved out of intelligence? (laughs) (sighs) I'll see what I can get from them, and I'll keep in touch with Admiral Master, see what else we can pick up about this whole thing. Keep putting pieces together. I deeply appreciate you taking this on. It is a very large jigsaw puzzle, and all of the pieces are one color. Oh. We'll see what we can do to find the corners. Live life on the edge. Of the puzzle. Of course. (sighs) Good night. Good night. And happy not birthday. Blip. (laughs) You're left alone to the quiet of your room, seeing the star trace patterns just outside the window as the ship continues to travel, barreling through space at warp nine. The morning doesn't bring you any kind of peace either. As, uh, do you have a, what's up, Aki? I actually had something I wanted to do before, uh, before going to bed for the night. Okay, what's up? Uh, so Olin, who is exhausted from a day of kissing this board his ass, <laughs> um, before they go back to their quarters, they actually stop at the cat and ring okay. the bell. Uh, doors open, um, and LeCat doesn't even invite you in. She just, like, walks away from the door. You're you're more than welcome into her space. Uh, Olin doesn't come in. Uh, uh, they simply just say as LeCat is retreating, grab Orwell in an overnight bag. You're staying with me. She turns to you and goes... Do you not trust me on my own? It's not that. I just think it would be better if I were not alone. And Jane says nothing and packs the bag. Okay. Yeah. Sleepover! (laughs) The next morning as everyone's assembling onto the bridge, the USS Ross comes out of warp at the Yukavar system. Again, Captain, this is a system that Starfleet spent years looking for and had no luck finding it. And as you're coming out of warp, Lacat, your sensors immediately picking up the presence of heavy gravitational forces in the sector. Um, go ahead and make a science roll just so you can get some momentum going. Great. Science reason? Yep. This is going to be reason science plus computer sensors for the, uh, the Ross. It. Two successes. And the difficulty um, is zero. Great, so two, two successes. successes. Who wants to roll for the Ross? All right, go ahead, Xander. I'll go. So it was computer science? Yeah, computer science. And one success. Sensor science, sorry. Oh, sensor science, still a success. It was a four. Okay, so that's a total of three. So yeah. generate three momentum. Yeah. Okay. The Yukavar system is actually a tri-star system. It has an extraordinary luminosity to it because two of the stars are white main sequence stars that are orbiting a neutron star. 
which is an extraordinarily rare event and to see it on sensors is quite spectacular the cat um two suns basically orbiting the corpse of a star that will one day evolve into a black hole it's extraordinary there are seven celestial objects in this system a great which would it would have to be an extraordinary distance away from the trinary stars yeah a class m planet okay there is an asteroid belt a small gas planet um a micro planet a class two comet an asteroid belt and another terrestrial world the first terrestrial world doesn't seem to have any life upon it it looks like it's mostly just mountainous with plant life um the first world which is class m capable of supporting life the temperatures on the surface are extraordinarily high so high that it would probably require some kind of life support and actually to live up there okay borderline on the class m phenomenon but um you don't detect anything initially unless you want to do an obtain information spend um, um you uh i might do one at the end of this info dump but okay. so if you want to keep that's going it Okay, that's, that's all great. you detect in the system, yeah. Yeah, then then I, w I then I would like to uh, do an obtain information on this class M planet, um, just to basically see. So you said that maybe life support is required to live on it. We, if they were going to live on surface, they would probably have to live in containment facilities of some kind in order okay. to deal with the extraordinary heat that's being generated by these um, twin stars and. On the surface. Mm -hmm. On the surface. That's correct. On the surface. <laughs> I mean, exactly. Like, there's there's options. So basically, I would like to do a scan of this planet to see if there are any living forms, um, okay. including on the inside. <laughs> so this is going to require a sensors check for for real right. now. So go ahead and make your roll. Right. Um, same roll, and if you want to roll again, Xander, the difficulty of this is three. Great. Can I spend a momentum to? Um, yeah, take a momentum. Sure. Thank you. Also, the Ross crit, so two. Nice, okay. Um, Jane got two successes, but then she also got a 20. Oh, shit. Yeah. Okay, excellent. I'm gonna okay. bank that. Can you reroll with Cautious? Oh, uh, yes, I can, yes, I can. Thank you. Oh, that's right, because you spent momentum to get that extra die, so thank go God, ahead. Thank God, thank God. And I got a five, thank God. So, actually, four successes. <sighs> <laughs> like the night, guys. <laughs> literally just smashes through the ceiling of the bridge in celebration and everyone is vented into space okay so um lacat yes yeah sure enough you are detecting not only signs of what looks like a colony under the surface of this planet but it looks like you're actually detecting a lot of um shipping activity around this class M planet. A lot of the magnetic activity being generated by this neutron star is really fucking with the sensors. Mm -hmm. um, but the sensors are also telling you that there is essentially a large colony of perhaps about 10 to 15,000 life forms. It's hard to get an exact estimation with the sensor scramble that's happening, but it is the closest planet to the trinary stars. The trinary stars. And, and it's not telling me... Um what kind of life forms they are as in like, at this range at, at this range at the edge of the system it's literally impossible and this is due totally to the neutron stars magnetic interference um, to the sensors. great um well i want to relay this information to my captain um and say captain there's uh it looks like that class m planet over there does have a civilization about uh 10 with 10 to 15 life forms 10 to underneath 15, the surface 
thousand life forms. Fifteen thousand. I, I said I said the the, the the K in my head. Um, life forms underneath the surface. Um, and uh, seems to be a pretty bustling uh, import export system that they've got going on there as well. So far, it fits the bill. Any kind of security measures that you spotted thus far? Uh, no, but I will. I'm continuing my scans on the planet. Um, yeah, can I check and see if there are any? Um, basically, I do want to see if they do have any security systems up, or if they have any weapons even pointed at, at this. Them. At this range, it's impossible to gain any more information. The neutron star. It, the neutron star is literally. It, it's clear why this was an excellent idea for a pirate haven yeah. of some kind. Magnetic like, interference up the yin yang, which is not where you should keep it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, Captain, I think we'd have to go in closer in order to figure this out. Um, unless... But you have an eye on the shipping lines, though. Yes. Yeah. Correct. What do we see going in and out of there? Hmm. At this range, it's difficult to tell what class ships they are. That's you? fine. It's their ships they're going through. They're of a given size. Yes, there's nothing capital scale your size. Not even close. Yep. No, no scale six ships. Take something you're detect the biggest silhouette you're detecting is threes and fours tops. Wow. Can I um? Can I do like a read on the material of the ships going in and out to basically no. see? Fuck. Sorry, at this range, you literally cannot tell totally me anymore. You, know you have gotten yeah. all the information you can get at the edge of the system. Great. Captain, I uh, think we're going to have to go closer. Mm. Uh, <laughs> what is, Mr. Brown, what is the largest celestial object in this system we can tuck behind to continue taking advantage of that magnetic interference? I mean, there is an asteroid belt right in front of this M-class planet. It would be easy enough to hide in there. But Captain, if Vryn swivels over and looks back at you and says, if I was going to be planting some kind of listening station around a pirate planet, this is where I would do it. I would put it right in the middle of that asteroid belt. Yeah. It might be... I mean, there's a good chance they've already spotted us. Hence my ask about the security measures. All right. Uh, what else do we see around there? What else do we have available? What other, what else is going on? Literally, all the information that's been given so far is what is available that, through the computer sensor readouts. You're detecting um, what looks like multiple shadows of ships coming and going uh, in and out of the system. And a lot of them are using the magnetic interference to their advantage. Um, you are detecting warp signatures on the edges of the system in the opposite direction of where you guys have arrived. Um, but they're like blinking in and out kind of deal. It's literally like catching taillights of ships leaving. Um, but for the most part, this system looks rather unremarkable, except for the trinary, the trinary stars. All right. How often do we have wrong calls in Star Trek? Wrong can we call? Accidentally, can, can we accidentally hail someone and be like, sorry, but just, can you tell us what you're doing here? Is that a thing that pe that, that can like happen? Like a misdial? Yeah, like a misdial. <laughs> Is that a thing that happens? Uh, Captain, do you think it's worth uh, 
talking to any of these uh, shipping. Is your refrigerator running? Yeah. <laughs> oh, we're certainly going to get in touch. The only question is whether we're going to bring the whole party and be rather brazen, risk people rabbiting out, or go in a little easier. Indeed, that is my inclination. We're going to prep an away team. Uh, park her, park her in the asteroid. As you say, uh, the, the asteroid belt, excuse me. Uh, they've, they've like as not spotted us anyway, and for who we are going to be, we'll let them take a look at the goods. Okay. Brenda's going to make a roll. Um, who wants to roll for the Ross? As per usual? Okay. Yep, I can, yeah. All right, so this is actually going to be a con... Oops. This actually might be a con computer. Oh, hold on. What a pain in the butt. I'm using a PDF viewer right now that's not agreeing with me. Let me just pop this guy open. Go ahead and make a, uh, I would say make a sensors con roll. As he's trying to guide the Ross in. Um, success. Okay, cool. Vren, Vren crits twice. So that's four successes for Vren. <laughs> um, all right. So taking the USS Ross into system, it's rather difficult to mask a ship this size, especially with the power signature that the USS Ross gets off. She is a beacon of energy coming into this system. Even with the magnetic interference, the downside of having two warp cores means that there is a magnificent amount of power being emanated from this vessel. Um, you can see the behavioral flight patterns of some of the people leaving that uh, I'll just say that it's not going unnoticed. And there are some ships taking off a little faster than normal as you guys are approaching the asteroid belt. And you hear Vren kind of just, God, God damn it, as he's seeing it too. Um, you guys coast into this rather large open asteroid belt where the rock debris here is far enough apart that it's easy to get a, a Ross class starship into the space. Um, um, I would also, as we come into this uh, asteroid belt, I'd like to just run like a general sensor scan to see, make sure there's like no, nothing hiding behind any of these asteroids while we're in this belt. A bunch uh, of things all over the place. Go ahead I can make a tell sweep. you that right now, Lacat. I just sweep. want to keep an eye on all of them. Uh, make a sensor sweep. The difficulty here is two. Great. No help from the Ross. No okay. help. Um, great. That's uh, three successes. Okay. So you succeed by one. Gain one momentum. Um, okay. Yes. You are detecting sensor arrays inside the asteroid belt. Great. There's um, about six that are within the, the there's about six within about 60,000 kilometers of the Ross. Uh, Captain, uh, sensing six sensor arrays. Can I get any more information on where those are coming from? They're just stationed all throughout what looks like this area of the asteroid belt. Right. And Captain, having seen this kind of setup before, there's absolutely no way they don't know you're here at this point. Oh, no. Great. I just absolutely. want to keep an eye on them, basically. To yeah. Yeah, great. They look like great. they don't. They don't look like they're. They look a little. Some of these look a little shoddy. According to your sensors, they're not the best sensor uh, stations. 
They look like they're just designed to be lookouts. Great. Um, and they have no uh, defense capabilities, can I tell? No, these are literally Great. lookouts. They're just a signal if a starship is approaching. Great, so they're watching us and we're watching them now. Fantastic. Yeah. Good, pose for them, Lieutenant Frank. <laughs> Show off the best angles you possibly can. We want everyone to get a good eye on the merchandise. Okay. There are some way, there are some operations where you go in stealthy. There are some operatives who can go in totally unseen. Ross, like her captain, bit too big and a bit too distinctive to ever try that. Can okay. I get a quick sense of where the captain is right now? Uh, in the center chair. Um, well, no, but I mean, really, uh, we know that Orions are, uh, empathically hard to read. And I think what you might notice is that they're particularly opaque at the moment. That you might infer that they have put a lot into- uh, More than usual, maybe, yes. Into keeping their chloros into hmm. prepping. Mm -hmm. Okay. Mm -hmm. But no, uh, we're going to ready and away team on a shuttle. Anyone with a clandestine background. Uh, and we're going to patch into some comms traffic, ideally to the location those sensors are broadcasting, Lieutenant. Okay. We've got to know when, uh, how we're going to get into line for this shipping before we start rubbing elbows with the right people, make deals, all of that good stuff that we're most assuredly doing. Okay. It doesn't take long for you to figure out exactly where these sensors are sending information down to. It is the colony. You can't get a precise triangulation, though, because to make matters even more complicated, sensors are detecting large deposits of kelbonite in the surface of the planet. Kelbonite is a material that makes transporting impossible. In other words, shuttlecraft only to get in and out of this underground colony from what Perfectly you can detect. Fine. Absolutely um, acceptable. Uh, may I, just for a moment, uh, Mr. Paul, and I'm going to uh, get to work and, and find the correct channel uh, because I know okay. the procedure by which uh, you get into line and make words and you make sure you're getting no surprises and like. Okay. Um, interestingly enough, hailing the comm station where you're seeing that these sensors are transmitting data back to gets you what looks like a panicked text reply of, uh, standby, standby. Um, 15 minutes of waiting. Before, uh, before what comes up on screen looks like a very disheveled human. Long brown beard, um, hair pulled back into a ponytail, wearing a thick vest. Um, he comes on screen and goes, uh, hello? Hello. My name is Azri Sal, and I have quite the deal for you. Azari Sull? 
Um, I think. Hold on one second. <laughs> Cuts transmission. I walk a little closer. This has got to be good. You hear some beeping sounds. And Prawl says, Captain, we're being hailed. On screen. Appearing on screen, wearing a thick brown, looks like worn leather jacket with shoulder pads. Broad shoulders, a square jaw, a very angular face, a very handsome angular face with green skin and a subtle eye patch across his left side. And a very like lines kind of on the side of edge of his mouth denoting somebody who probably smiles a little too often for an Orion male. He leans back and sort of with a little bit of swagger that's beyond his station as what would probably be a slave in Orion culture. He apparently is anything but. In fact, for an Orion male, Azari, this Orion conducts himself in posture and the way he looks at you. As someone who is used to being listened to, as someone who's used to being in command. And with a dip of his shoulder, he looks at you and says, Captain So, I have been waiting to meet you for so long. And that is where we're going to stop tonight's game. Ah! <laughs> Stupid and sexy. Oh my god. Rose like, what is happening? It's yeah. stupid sexy Zazret. Stupid sexy Zazret. Oh boy. <laughs> He's got um, a patch. So we went a little long tonight, but we had a lot of stuff. We had a lot of stuff. It was oh. worth it. So worth yeah. Um good game, y'all. I'm really looking forward to the next the next uh, the next chapter of this episode. Um, you guys, thank you so much for joining us tonight. Uh, as you know, we went a little long tonight, so it's going to make for some interesting viewing for the VOD squad. We look forward to hearing your comments. Um, guys, thank you so much. Real quick, before we sign off, um, I, I say this every now and then, so I just want to, it's been a while since I've said it again. I just wanted to thank you all so much for supporting Clear Skies, for supporting the Streampunks, um, for supporting everything that we're doing ever since we've gone independent. We're able to do this because of your support. We're looking forward to sharing some really exciting news with you later this month. Um, so stand by for that. Um, in the meantime, I would love it if you all did your best to stay whimsical in this trying time. We love you dearly. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Until then, hailing frequencies are closed.